The autumn wind is a pirate. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast. I am your host, Raider Greg. This is show 400. 400! 400 of these mofos Randy and I have been throwing out to you with the Raider news and what is going down in Raider Town. Well, let's hit it. Show 400. All right. Raider Nation. First of all, let Randy and I, we're going to thank you guys for hanging with us for as long as you have. Been throwing this show out for nine seasons. Yes, not a winning one in the bunch. Ouch. Great fans, best fans in all sports. I'll tell you because I am one and I have seen the greatness of the Raider Nation, that is. The team falling short for sure, but the fan base is epically strong. And Randy and I have had some fabulous times with the Raider Nation where we've gone in this nine years, Kansas City, Miami, I mean, the list goes on. Raider Nation is all over the place, and we don't mess around. We are stern and true behind the silver and black. What an amazing group. It's been our honor to represent the Raiders, the Raider Nation, in the podcasting realms for sure. And we just want to thank you guys for the support we have gotten for this entire time. Uh, These shows are not easy. They take a lot of time. But, man, it's paid off in the the friendships and relationships we've developed over this time. Un-freaking-believable. So let's move on to what's on show 400. For our first story of the day, Dennis Allen, he's a keeper, so says Mark Davis. No fanfare, no finale, no fireworks, but in a quiet, <laughs> quiet sense of confidence, Mark Davis is keeping the young Dennis Allen for yet another season, along with Reggie McKenzie. Kind of uh, bubbled up to the surface when uh, questions were asked. And yes, there was a kind of a popcorn fart of enthusiasm over the coach's retainment here with the Raiders. we got a hit on the deconstruction-reconstruction phenomena. Yes, I call it a remodel. <laughs> but they're not mutually exclusive. In other words, you should be able to deconstruct and reconstruct at the same time. I don't know if I'm agreeing with the way it's it's really being uh, portrayed here in Oakland. So we're going to talk about it. And perhaps, yes, this is the time we should insert some of the classic moments of the Raider Nation podcast. Some are just too ridiculous to believe. Like the beautifulness of the Raiders. And then, of course, we will hit the bone line, 1-800-620-7181. You guys know the number. Get on the bone line. You know, all the off-season is not off-season for the Raider Nation podcast. You guys got to know that it comes down 
When you hear something going down in Oakland, you better believe it's on the Radio Nation podcast. And if you don't hear something from Oakland, you better believe something is going down in Oakland on the Raider Nation podcast. We rock all season and off season. We will be delivering the news as we have for nine straight years, year-round, uh, you know, just for your dancing and listening pleasure. So that should round out the show. And, uh, well, let us roll this one out. Well, I guess he's a keeper. The young Dennis Allen retains his job, per Mark Davis, in a mumbling statement to the media. No fanfare, no fireworks. No big deal. We're just moving forward and deconstructing reconstruction. Oh, my gosh. Let's just talk about this coach for just a second now. Well, two years removed from the great Al Davis's touch on the Raiders organization, Dennis Allen has had two seasons to show what he's doing. Reggie McKenzie, more to the point, with the deconstruction-reconstruction phenomena. Let's not talk about that yet. That's later on in this show. But let's just talk about the 8-24 and 24 coach that is running the organization and how and what has gone on since he has had the hot seat. And trust me, it's getting hotter. There are true camps, of course, that are primarily out there. The get his ass out of Oakland camp and the consistency in his ass in Oakland. Both camps have a logistic and legitimate um, thesis for their opinions. There is no doubt. The get his ass out of Oakland gang is pretty strong because of the 8-24 and 24 record. The buffoonery at quarterback. I mean, let's just look at it. The QB circus was uncrazy. It's incredible. The Matt Flynn ordeal. Yes, we could point that directly at Reggie McKenzie, which I think is a great finger to be pointing, and I don't know if it should be the middle one or not. That choice, I think that middle finger is reserved for the DJ Hayden pick, but don't get me started on that at this point in the show. <laughs> I mean, really. He had $30 million of dead cap money to get rid of. Reggie did. And the victim, of course, was Coach Allen with his lack of talent per se. I think that that's horse crap because he had plenty of talent on the team. I think the buffoonery of quarterback is the glaring problem that Allen had. He was given Matt Flynn and said, make this happen and we saw what happened, and, well, it wasn't very pretty. Then, of course, the Tyler Wilson pick, a high fourth-round pick, which was actually put into a burlap bag, inserted into a trash bag, and thrown out of the dumpster uh, with the other recyclables. <laughs> Never made it. And actually, early in camp, was, was talked about like he was going to be the guy. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Now, the prior thing and the Burgoyne thing, I mean, Burgoyne lost five straight games. Pryor was at least two and two starter. And uh, after the Eagles game, 
The defense fell into the toilet. Um, I just think the whole quarterback, you know, if it was a controversy, I think it was handled poorly. I think the coach made a very bad group of decisions on both these young men. I think he could have made it much smoother, not only them, but the team. You know, forget the fans. Let's just do the best thing to win a football game. And I just think uh, the whole <laughs> the whole uh, quarterback garbage that went down was uh, was a sign of a, a young, unexperienced coach, to be honest. Second year, Allen, uh, there's been a lot of questionable decisions. Now, he can lean on Reggie. Matter of fact, he could throw a lot of garbage of this, this garbage in Reddy's lap for sure. His assistance sucked. I mean, his first choice of assistance was horrible. And they hold Reggie accountable for approving these guys. And really, that was the demise of our first team. I do believe in my heart of hearts that this season, I mean, his first year here was a garbage throwaway. We're not going to do anything with this team season. And to have Reggie, of course, there selling tickets there at the press conference, how we are competitive and we plan on going forward to the Super Bowl was just a whole bunch of horse crap in a plan that obviously is moving forward because of the retention of young Dennis Allen. His first coaching hires blew ass. We all know it. And the... Uh, the Greg take a nap or experiment that already didn't work here one time flopped miserably the second time, along with a myriad of horrible assistants uh, and and a key positions too. At 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 our special teams, we went from one of the top ranked special teams right into the toilet with I don't even remember his name and I don't care to remember it, and that's improved this season, which I think is a good thing. Um. And I think Olsen is still <laughs> still very questionable. Um, and, and that's kind of where we are. I don't know if we're going to lose any assistant coaches. I know that we have picked up Sperano for two more seasons, which is a great thing because he is reported to go to Tampa Bay uh, because he wasn't getting a long-term deal here in Oakland. That would have been a stupid move for the Raiders to let him go because our O-line, as jacked up as it was, was fairly effective throughout the entire season with key players missing. I got to say that. Well, Coach Allen has the heart of the locker room. I know that a lot of people say they have to do it because he's the boss, but that is not true. Uh, all out through the 32 teams in the NFL, there are locker rooms that are very unhappy with their coaches, and everyone knows it, including the coach. I think Allen has developed a winning, winning attitude in Oakland. I think he hasn't lost the locker room, and I think with 8-24 and 24 record, that is an incredible thing to get done. When the team buys in, it opens up an entire different dynamic in an organization, when the team buys in, uh, you can say one time to do this, and it is done. Uh, when your team buys in, your leaders lead in the locker room without you having to be in there. Uh, there's a lot of positives to that aspect of this. 
I think they had to keep Allen for another year or, or pay him to sit on the couch. I don't think he would have got a job anywhere else, honestly. Uh, and he wouldn't have got it for the money he's making right now. Smart move to bring him back. I think consistency has to has to do with something. Uh, but let's just look at consistency just a second. <laughs> now, Al Davis fired a lot of coaches. Let's just look at some of the names here. Lane Kiffin, Joe Bugle. Uh, of all the coaches since Gruden, and even before Gruden, what coach do you think we should have kept for more than two years? Art Shell, please. Uh, Bugle, please. Uh, Callahan, come. Yeah, I, I, from where I am, I didn't get a good look at it. Uh, I, I don't know that you, uh, uh, you know, the big, the biggest thing for us uh, is to find a way to win, uh, and and the the difference uh, obviously is obvious. And I mean, Norvell Turner, perhaps, maybe. I mean, in the long list of coaches that we've evidently had the carousel on, which ones would you kept for consistency? I just really don't think of any. And even with an 8-24 record, I do believe this guy is getting it right and he needs another season. But there's a lot of people who don't think so. But that don't matter now, do it. Because <laughs> he is the coach of the Raiders for the foreseeable future. Look forward to this offseason to see some changes in his sub-coaching sub staff and what's going on uh, perhaps uh, with the organization because there's still changes going on deep in the office, trust me. And that is all I have to say about that. All right, let's baby, talk about baby, the deconstruction, baby, baby, reconstruction baby, 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 phenomena. Baby, 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 I got the feeling, baby. Baby, sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down. As I said before, the deconstruction, reconstruction are not mutually exclusive. In other words, you don't just do one and then start the other. It does take a great deal of finesse to do it. I got to give my hat off to Reggie for solving a lot of money problems that were built up over the Al Davis last years. That is fact. I'm not giving the guy a pass. However, you have to look at the positive as well as the negative with Reggie McKenzie and the deconstruction because we lost Kelly, we lost Seymour, we lost Huff, <laughs> good thing. We lost a lot of money in players that weren't performing, which I think is really good for our team. And let's not forget that was just two years ago. Last year, we played with 10 free agents on the defense. That's a lot of your team with no depth and no star talent because there's a lot of talent on these Raiders. I'll tell you, we've seen it. We've seen glimpses of it, and that's why we're so pissed that we didn't win more than four games this year. There is talent here. There just needs to be an addition of talent, and that's just not only in the player's realm, I'm telling you. So the deconstruction, which was very, very hard for us to go through, we had to. Uh, we were sold, of course, to sell tickets. Yeah, we're going to be competitive. We all knew that wasn't the case. We all knew the beginning of this season, that this was not going to be a powerhouse team. 
And the thing we didn't know is the way the division would pan out with three out of four teams in the AFC West going to the frickin' playoffs. This, too, is kind of a great time for us to have these problems. Uh, <laughs> quite honestly, there is nowhere to go up but here. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The reconstruction is where our eyes have to be. We have to draft wisely, not DJ Hayden, not that he's a bad kid or a bad pick. He could be great. But we need impact players to happen now. Star Lutulele came right in and made an impact when he got drafted. We had an opportunity to get him. Don't let me go over the last five years of drafts. It is a sad and depressing picture. We need to look forward to our offense and our defense, finding fresh new talent that will come here and lift this organization and this team to the next flipping level. The reconstruction, there is no doubt in this Raider fan's mind that this is a make-or-break season for all the management staff, to include Reggie. He cannot afford to have another buffoon pick like last year. I mean, I don't care if you're going to trade down, but don't trade down and get garbage. Trade down and get good players. The draft is where we must find the talent on this team because, quite honestly, free agents, they might not want to come to Oakland. You can, uh, well, if it smells like shit and it looks like shit, well, most likely it's not a duck, okay? So understand that free agents are going to take their choice of the next best place to get a ring. It makes perfect sense. There's a lot of teams out there that have the cap space and the money to pay good players. So once again, this is Reggie's last stand. This reconstruction part, this is a no-excuses season right now. From our last beating from the Denver Broncos, that was the time. Matter of fact, before then, Reggie should have been looking, studying, and traveling to college all the way across this country for the next great pick of the Oakland Raiders. We have the fifth pick in the draft, and I'm sick and tired of getting a top 10 pick, as you are too. But in all these picks we've had in these losing seasons, the pickings that we have picked have been less than qualified to do their damn job. This is what the no excuses this season means. This is why there is no reason that we shouldn't be able to go out there and get three impact players out of this draft that raise the level of this team to a winning level, at least 500 in this season. And I'll say it now, I'm going to say it till I drop, that we need a franchise quarterback more than anything else. Look at the winning teams in this league. Who and what is driving the wins? It's the quarterback, folks. Now, yes, they all have pretty good defenses, but look at what's taking them to the next level. Every team in the playoffs has a franchise quarterback, and some are better than others, but all of them are better than what we've had in a long time. Since Gannon, really, the Raiders need to find that guy, whether it be Johnny Football or whoever. Matt Schaub should be cut from the Texans. Maybe he's a guy. 
Michael Vick is another name that's come up. Trey Wingo with us, ESPN NFL Live host. You can follow him on Twitter at Wingos, W-I-N-G-O-Z. And we need your help with another dispute that Dibs and I are having, Trey. Um, here on our Facebook page, 95.7 The Game Facebook page, Raider fans, a guy available on the open market is Michael Vick. Like if you'd want him in Oakland. Comment if not. Let us know who you want at quarterback. 200 likes so far. Mike Vick, the notion of Mike Vick and the Raiders uh, showing some interest there. I think it's a bad idea. Dibs thinks it's a great idea. What does the great Trey Wingo say? Well, I, I guess but the way this conversation started, I have to go against Dibs, right? I mean, that's sort of the way this is playing out if I was, was going to be accurate. But I actually don't mind it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to leave Philadelphia. I know he wants to start. But, uh, you know, Nick Foles is going to have that job for a while, it appears. And if Mike Vick wants to start, he's going to have to go somewhere else. The Raiders need something. I mean, Terrell Pryor was okay. McGloin had a couple of great starts. I mean, but you know, I don't think you've seen enough from, from McGloin that you want to build around. And if you bring in Vick, you know, that's the kind of guy that Terrell Pryor is going to be anyway. And that, those two together and him sort of mentoring uh, Pryor might be a really good fit. So you think that the you – oh, Dibs, I love you, baby. Yeah. Trey, you and I in lockstep, brother. <laughs> You haven't closed the book on Pryor then, Trey? No, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, it's, he's still a young kid. You know, he's, he got hurt. He got banged up a little. Look, it was a mess in Oakland this past year. What they have, $30 million in dead money that they were paying? I mean, it was a ridiculous mm-hmm. amount. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get out from under that this year and go forward. So the, the NFL is a better product when the Raiders are relevant. There's just no question about it. Rich Gannon with us here on Buchanan County, 95.7 The Game. He is here every single Tuesday at 5.05. And there's a lot of people, Raider Nation, Rich, that they want Michael Vick to come here. They want him to mentor Terrell Pryor. Would that be... Please, please. I'm, I'm no, going to give you the floor. Go ahead. He's going to be 34 years old, guys. He's not been, He's not been able to stay healthy. Um, you know, he couldn't, couldn't beat out Nick Foles in Philadelphia. And, you know, I, I just, I don't think it's worth it. I, I really don't. And I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I would not do that. If it were up to me, that's not a deal that I would do. I, I'm looking for a younger quarterback that can come in and be the future. I'm not looking for a band aid for a year or two. I, you know, we had that with Carson Palmer and, and, you know, you go back to Kerry Collins and other quarterbacks that have come in there. I think you need a, a long-term answer. You know, you need to develop that position, and you got to stop looking for the quick fix. I want to see the Raiders win in the worst way. You guys know that. Yeah. It just pains me to see the mistakes that they've made since I've left there. And it's just, you know, and it's just, you know, I just, you know, it's like a train rolling down the tracks. You know, you just you see it coming, you see it coming, and you just, you know, you just can't get out of the way. And I, I, I hope that, you know, I hope they make the right decisions. I really, really do. And and. um I hope they have the right people in those in the, in the in the positions to make those right decisions. You know, for me, Vic is a dick. I think he's too old and too beat up to come to Oakland. No thanks. There should be someone, maybe a second three quarterback. Reggie needs to find that guy. It's not up to us. He needs to find that guy that's going to come here like Gannon, perhaps, and blossom in a new team with fresh faces and a drive to win a championship. The reconstruction is on and we need to see some damn results and that is it, man. NFL draft analyst uh, for NFLDraftScout.com and CBSSports.com Dan Brugler. 
uh, joining us here on 95.7 The Game. By the way, w- when I'm consuming a, uh, a first week of January mock draft, what's your, uh, w- what's your accuracy rate that you put behind the uh, January uh, first week of January mock draft? What are you committing to? You know, that, that's a tough question. And really, you know, January, it's not the time to have, you know, definitive opinions about, you know, this guy's going here, this guy's going there. It's more about kind of connecting the dots and saying, okay, you know, for instance, right now, number one in my mock draft, I have Blake Bortles going to the Texans. I mean, that, that's, it's kind of off the wall. Not a lot of people have that. But at the same time, I also, you know, I came out with an article today saying why Bortles uh, to Houston, number one, makes sense. Everything from the skill set that Bill O'Brien's looking for. Uh, Bill O'Brien played, uh, or his Penn State team played against uh, Bortles this past year. Bortles beat them in Happy Valley. Um, uh, there's a lot of you know dots to connect where Bortles makes a lot of sense in Houston. So you know, you know, we're in January. We still have four months to the draft. Now that the draft pushed back into May, so a lot of time. You know, the combines, the pro days, the All Star games. We have the Shrine game coming up next week, and the Senior Bowl the week after that. A lot's going to change, but at the same time, you know, now is really kind of where we have the, we know the draft order. So that's kind of the that that first step right. to you know the mock. So we have the draft order uh, one through 24, 25 through thirty two will become uh, clear after the playoffs, and then you know really things will start to shake out. And uh, so it, it, it's January, so it's still early, but yeah, you know, it, it's still fun at the same time. Well, and look, a guy you talking about connecting dots, the Raiders at five. Obviously, needed a playmaker. Well, they need a lot of things. You obviously, need a lot of things. But you, you, you have Sammy Watkins there, and I would imagine part of that is your belief, at least at this point, the likelihood, let's say, that three quarterbacks go in the top four, and and that even if you're a quarterback needy team, it'd be hard to pass on a guy like like Sammy Watkins. Um, and and that's the guy that we've talked about a lot around here and kept an eye on from the Raiders' perspective, just because of of potentially what he is. When you look at Sammy Watkins and whether it's the Raiders or somebody else that gets him. At this point, what is the expectation around the NFL in terms of what, what he can be? Well, he is an exciting talent with the ball in his hands. Uh, he, you know, he can do a lot of things. We saw it in the Orange Bowl uh, against Ohio State. Um, you know, he, he set a new Clemson receiving record uh, for his career. I mean, he's been consistently productive. Um, you know, he, he can just do a lot of things for you. So, you know, from what I hear and kind of the way I feel as well is, you know, he's not that elite prospect on the level of a Calvin Johnson or an A.J. Green, uh, you know, at that level. But he's just a notch below that. You know, a guy who can, you know, plug and play, uh, worthy of a top top 10, top 12 pick. And like you mentioned, number five, if there are three quarterbacks that go in the top four, the Raiders aren't one player away. They, you know, they don't have to take a quarterback there. If they don't feel that the quarterback is on the board, uh, worth taking, Sammy Watkins is not a bad uh, backup plan to have. And it, it, honestly, it's a pretty safe pick because you know what you're getting with him. You know he's going to be able to produce. You know, he's, he's not just speed. He's not just, uh, you know, decent size. I mean, he, he can do a lot of things for you. So it, Sammy Watkins makes a lot of sense for the, for the Raiders at number five. Well, and Dane, to the point you made earlier about how things can change, nothing illustrates that better than the guy you're talking about at one, Blake Bortles. I mean, when the college football season began, the only question about the draft, right? I mean, the only question was, will it be Jadavian Clowney or Teddy Bridgewater that goes number one? Like, that was the thing from the Raiders' perspective. Like, well, which guy do you want when you have the first pick or any team that, that might be uh, in that neighborhood? So I, I'm curious, and you referenced this with Robinson earlier, is there a guy, and maybe it's, I don't know that it's Bortles, is there a guy that there are the, 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 the fewest questions about when we're talking about the top the top ten Top eight, top five guy. I mean, is there one guy to you that's clear cut? 
the fewest questions people feel like they know what he is? Uh, that's a good question because in this draft, uh, you know, you look at the quarterbacks, and there's questions about all of them. Uh, if you're talking just steady, consistent, you know what you're getting, I think you have to look at it, Jake Matthews, the tackle at Texas A&M, a guy who's going to go somewhere in that top ten. Uh, he's not flashy. Uh, it, you know, he just he's not elite in any one area, but he's very, very good in a lot of areas. He's a guy that, you know, you can start from day one at left tackle. You know what you're getting with him, obviously, with the bloodlines. Uh, strong effort player. He's very good uh, in the run game as well as pass pro. So Matthews, if you're talking about just consistency and a guy that, you know, you know what you're getting, I think that's Jake Matthews. But these quarterbacks, you know, it's, there's so many quarterback needy teams that uh, we're going to see these quarterbacks fly off the board. You know, last year we only had one quarterback on the first round, and, and that wasn't even in the top ten. That was E.J. Manuel in the team. But I think this will be more like a couple years ago when we saw a lot of quarterbacks start flying off the board, you know, Jake Locker goes off, and then all of a sudden Gabbert's gone, Christian Ponder. You know, right or wrong, I think we're going to see the same thing this year with a lot of quarterbacks start flying off the board in the top ten. That makes me want to draft a tackle. Yeah, no. That's, and like I said earlier, you know, the Raiders aren't, uh, you know, one player away. And a lot of these teams picking in the top ten are not one player away. But it's just that hope of a quarterback. You know, a quarterback can drastically change a franchise. And it's the hope that if one of these guys is that, you know, franchise-changing player, it's that hope that, you know, makes them want to draft them. ESPN NFL analyst, Super Bowl winning quarterback Trent Dilfer. To, um, Trent, there are, with Johnny Manziel, is expected to declare today for the draft. Bortles likely out, Teddy Bridgewater. Of those guys, I mean, this is really a Raiders question because Raiders are picking at five. Do you see one of those guys as NFL ready and now? And by that I mean ready to contribute on a regular basis right now? Nobody's done the work yet. Even Todd McShay, who I love and have a ton of respect for and, and work very closely with over the draft uh, process, uh, he's, he's probably watched more tape than most guys on the quarterbacks, but he hasn't poured through at all. Uh, the general managers haven't watched the tape, the scouts haven't watched the tape, and coaches surely haven't watched the tape on these young quarterbacks. Um, you know, this is probably a 70, 80, 90 hour project, um, pouring through 10 plus games of all these quarterbacks and studying their situational play, their talent. That's not including the combine and pro day stuff. And, uh, we just had, they haven't been vetted properly. So to answer that would be based off seeing them a couple times on TV, um, throughout the course of the year, like everybody else. Now, I have been around most of them. On my elite 11, they come out, they work as counselors. I, I work with them for five days. I have been with Manzella Bunch. I'm a big fan of Johnny. I think he is uniquely gifted. I think he loves football. He's studying. And what I mean, my, I know a lot of people love football. He, he's in love with football, which means he will do the work. He will learn how to be, um, Strong mentally, he'll learn how to figure out defenses. So he'll, he'll do the lonely work. Uh, he's uniquely gifted. He has plenty of arm. Uh, he's tough as nails, and he's a lot bigger—not taller, but he's a lot bigger than people think. So he will last. Um, but I'm not saying where he'll go. I just think he'll be a success in the National Football League. I think the Raiders would be lucky to have Johnny, Mon- Johnny Manziel. When you're looking at a quarterback like Blake Bortles, for example, who played at Central Florida and didn't face the stiff competition that other guys did, how do you vet that versus Johnny Manziel, who played against better cornerbacks and better defenses? You look at what we call conflict throws, um, meaning when, he, when he's in conflict or when the receiver's in conflict. Uh, tight window throws is another term I've heard. 
um, you know, where he's really challenged. Um, and it might only be Lake Borles might only have, you know, 18 of those in the course of a season, and Johnny Menzel might have 80 of those. I don't know. I'm just using hypotheticals. Um, but you look how they thrive in those situations. You, you look at um, their instincts. Are their instincts to, you know, work deep through progressions and, and try to be a passer? Their instincts, you know, take the first read. If it's not there, go run. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of layers. I have about 30 different things I, I grade out when, uh, when I study these quarterbacks. And um, it's just it, it's, it's a long vetting process, and that's why it's premature to put your stamp on anybody yet. Uh, stamp on anybody yet. But I do understand when you look at a Blake Bortles, he's got the body, uh, seems to have the charisma, seems to have uh, some of the stuff that it takes. Um, but I, I don't know if he can play or not. Thank you, Trent. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. All right. The days of excuses are freaking over. That is one thing the Raider Nation should stand on and be happy about. Because it is true that now, the where the rubber meets the road is where McKenzie's ass should be if things don't pan out this season. Along with his man, Allen, unfortunately, but possibly, both be gone but by the end of next season, if we don't see some changes, that is a fact. Look, this draft is supposed to be full of good quarterbacks. It's Reggie's job to find one, and I don't care if he has to trade up, down, or sideways to get one. Until we do, we're not going to go anywhere. So get on it, Reggie. Make a pick, and it'll be the pick of your job here in Oakland. That's true. And that is all I have to say about that. been an amazing nine seasons with the Raider Nation on the Raider Nation podcast. Randy and I want to thank all of our supporters, everyone who's thanked us, who's helped us, who's actually listened to us from this whole time, from our humble beginnings, when I didn't know what the hell I was doing, to a show I think is much more polished and far more entertaining. Thanks to Randy, the man, uh, the man behind the scenes uh, no doubt, uh, my good friend and, well, the producer of the Raider Nation podcast. So let's just not waste any more time. Let's just take a walk down Memorial Lane, <laughs> where some of the shows were very good and some, well, not so good. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. 
This is Greg from Raider Nation iPod Cod Broadcast. Yes, this is our first show, the original, the only iPod Raider Nation broadcast. Coming to you from the Bay Area, beautiful California, right up a little bit north of the Oakland Coliseum, the home of the Oakland Raiders. I'm really happy to be out here tonight. I'm really happy to talk to y'all and really happy to share some news with you guys. This broadcast is meant to fill in the Raider Nation on details that may not want to have to dig through mounds and mounds of work and paper and reading to find about the Raiders. It's hard to get inside information even here in the Bay Area. We'll be going from program to program with different content, different looks at the Raiders, sometimes offensively, defensively, coaching, uh, many, many aspects. We'll be looking at uh, gossip around the NFL. This show will be very diverse. There'll be a lot of information that you're not going to be able to pick up on your normal Channel 7, Channel 2 newscasts. So I hope you tune in, and I hope you uh, enjoy the broadcast, because uh, I enjoy talking about the Raiders. I am a true Raider fan. I bleed silver and black, and enjoy talking about my team. Tonight's subjects will be, who is Raider Greg? Good evening, Raider Nation. This is Raider Greg, broadcasting from the Raider Nation podcast. Anyways, I'd like to welcome you all here to my fifth show, enjoying the beautifulness of the Raiders. Welcome all ye Raider fans are. Welcome to the Raider Nation podcast. It's Sunday, June 12, 2005. This will be show number eight. Don't forget to send your emails and messages or I'll make yous walk the plank. Hey, Greg is a firefighter. I was hurt back in September uh, during a rescue. But long story short, just yesterday, they finally approved my surgery, almost 10 months after I was injured. That's why I started this broadcast, podcast. I have a lot of spare time on my hands, and I, you know, my passion is the Raiders, and here we are. Raider fans, the season's almost here. Are you excited? Are you excitable? Are you excitable? Are you excitable? Are you excited? I am Raider Greg, and this is the premier Raider Nation podcast. All Raider talk, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Dedicated to all Raider fans who need their football fix, day or night. Stay on top with what's happening with your Raiders and the NFL. We're uncensored. We are unapologetic. Join us now. Even if they think it possibly could be a penalty, they're going to throw the flag because, hey, it's the Oakland Raiders. They're the most penalized team in the league. Well, I think something should be done about that shit because I'm sick and tired of it just like you're sick and tired of it, and something should be done. But if there's any referees listening to the Raider Nation podcast, screw you. I want to dedicate, get it, hmm, let me try that again. I like to dedicate this show 
to all of those brothers and sisters of mine there at the Berkeley Fire Department, BFD, sunny Berkeley, California. And then a little shout out to those at Station 5, most who do not like the Raiders, and I will say to them, <laughs> that's about all for those at Station 5. Good evening, Raider fans, and welcome to the Raider Nation Podcast, and I'm your host, Raider Greg, welcoming you to another show, and so you can get your Raider fixed, yes, wherever you may be, in Pennsylvania, New York, you know the drill, I'm out here for you fans, because I love hearing about my Raiders, I love talking about my Raiders, and the better thing about this whole thing is when I get emails from you guys, they just pump me up. Okay, I'm going to go on a tangent. Gotta go on a tangent, Raider fans. Norv Turner, will you please stop the positive spin? I'm so sick of hearing your positive spin. You know, that was a great thing about Gruden. Gruden would tell like it is. We sucked or we kicked ass or whatever. But at least from Gruden, you got the truth. And the players heard it too in the news. Hey, Gruden will tell like it is. And, you know, you get your feelings hurt, well, oh, well. But you know what, Norv? Come on, Norv, baby. Start putting something to somebody because somebody made a mistake in this game. Somebody <laughs> made a mistake or we wouldn't have had 140 penalties. Norv. Okay, I'm done with that. Um, but please, I just I listened to his comments the other day and I just was freaked out about how he had nobody as at fault. We're getting better. Uh, if, you, if you listen to it, I'm sure you can relate. Okay? Norv tries to make chicken shit look like chicken salad, and you just can't do that. We have sweet victory. Two games in a row. Welcome to the Raider Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Raider Craig, and this is show number 108. And we are pumped here in the Bay Area. Of course, all the Raider fans are. And the Niner fans are sad and blue. Getting punked. 41 to 9. Thank you so much, whoever did that. Well, we know who did that. And we know that, of course, the Bay Area media is going on about how what happened to the 49ers. They were going in the right direction and blah, blah, blah. And all the time, the haters in the Bay Area dogging the Raiders still after a second victory in a row. Yes, we still are the worst team in football. Before I get a little bit too much into the show, let's dive in, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Oaktown. Do you know about my city? Oaktown. The city of Oaktown. Oh, don't you know? Oaktown. Do you know about my city? Oaktown. The city of Oaktown. Oh, don't you know? Now let's take a little trip down memory lane. All right, Oakland Raiders versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. We were supposed to lose every statistic, every pontificating pontificator out there in sports media was sure that the Oakland Raiders would take a dive on this game. Our defense was great against the Cardinals, but when they go against the Steelers, of course, they will go down. Well, here's my post-game take. Now, I'm going to start with the offense because that's where, obviously, we have trouble. So, our offense was offensive. 
Without a doubt, I was so embarrassed and I felt so bad for the defense that put up all the heart for this game that was blatantly obvious on the field. The defense came out, chins held high, ready to play football. They did not let the offense get them down. I don't even think they looked at an offensive player when they were changing places on the field. Andrew Walter, yes, the future of the Raiders. Today it doesn't look like that. Bad choices and poor throws in this game. Terrible, got stuck in the pocket. Uh, The Steelers did a good job of keeping him in the pocket. And the thing that hurt us the most was the bad play calling by Tom, mayor of Brokeback, Idaho, flapjack flippin' geek, Walsh. Shell, when questioned after the game, were you happy with the plays that were caught by Tom Walsh? Yes, I am very happy with his play calling. Well, I say that's horse shit. How can he be happy with the play calling when the players aren't happy with the play calling? I'm sure the other coaches aren't happy with the play calling. I know I'm not happy with the frickin' play calling, and I know that the rest of the Raider Nation is frickin' flipped out about this guy's play calling. If not for the guts and the mere intensity of our defense, we would have a lost right now a big L tattooed across their foreheads and the media would continue to pummel us into the ground. I am so flipped out about this flapjack flipping geek I can't even see straight. Tom Walsh, the scarecrow without a brain, has got to go. Oh, I'm a failure because I haven't got a brain. Well, what would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... The defense played an insane, aggressive, insane game. And I'll go over them in just a second. But I want to talk about one play in particular, besides all the other buffoonery that we saw on the offense during the the game. Chad Slaughter as wide receiver. Yes, that's true. We had Moss. We had Porter. We had Curry. But on second and goal, with only 18 seconds left in the game... On the one-yard line, of course. They put in Chad Slaughter, and they pass the ball to this lineman with, of course, a obvious no touchdown because it was a stupid play called by our scarecrow, Tom, I wish I was in the Wizard of Oz, Walsh. I would dance and be merry. Life would be a ding a dairy if I only had a brain. Thanks, Tom. Hey, you know what? Find yourself a brain and then get some heart and perhaps you and the flying monkeys can fly off back to Brokemack Mountain, Idaho and uh, be the mayor of some meaningless community out there. I'm so flipped out about this guy. Obviously, you can hear it in my voice, but let's get into the positive side of this game because the defense rocked. And it rolled those terrible towels up, and they spanked their ass with those towels. And I'll tell you, there was a lot of Steeler fans this game. There's a lot of terrible towels that were waving around. Not in our section, because we I'm telling you, there's a bunch of us there saying, sit down. Just sit down. Put that towel down. And the other thing we were saying after the game was, hey, you're going to wipe your uh, tears with those towels? Oh, yeah, terrible towels. It's terrible to have one right now, huh? Terrible to be wearing that gold. It was brutal. It was beautiful. It was an excellent win. And if you could have been in that Coliseum, the intensity of the fans, 
when their offense came up to the line, you couldn't hear yourself think. The 12th man was on it. The Raider Nation brought the sound. They brought the noise. They brought the attitude. They brought it all. I will tell you right now, in that Coliseum, it was insanity. And I kid you not, this is the best it's been. I, I can't even remember since, the, since we went to the Super Bowl. As far as crowds go, it's better than that season because we didn't even sell out all those games. The Raider Nation is coming in huge for this team, and the defense is standing up for the call. Now forget the 360 total yards that the Pittsburgh Steelers laid onto the Oakland Raiders. Just forget that, because however they got that, which was here, there, and everywhere, there were four, and count them, four interceptions, two of them, which turned into touchdowns, one by... And the other by Chris, the man with wheels, Carr, and he's the man. 100 yards, run back for a touchdown. Thank you. No penalties, no holding, no nothing. 14 points by the Raiders' defense was more than enough to seal the victory against the Steelers. And lest you say it was only the Steelers who have been having trouble Lest you say that they're a team on the edge, one foot in the grave. Lest you say that the Steelers are not a opponent that has the punch they had last season. Let me remind everyone on this show that the Steelers rolled up an amazing 83 total points in the last two games they played. To come away with 13 right here in the Coliseum at home against the Raiders which brought it down. The defense was not only awesome, the two touchdowns say a great deal about this defense, but you didn't see the tenacity of every single play. Every down, first, second, third, and fourth, the defense was on it. They shut down the run. They shut down the run huge. I'll tell you, every DB and safety on this team played their ass off. And it was blatantly obvious in the result. Because the Steelers were going three and out faster than we can go three and out. There was more time changing with people going on and off the field than I've ever seen in any football game. As this would be a record for the Oakland Raiders with 98 total offensive yards coming away with the victory. Now, I just want to say that Roethlisberger did taste Oakland at least twice. Thank you to Derek Burgess. The Sackmaster. Warren Sapp got in. The whole defense played like a fine-oiled machine. It rolled down the field with thunder. With the 12th man right there at their heels, the defense rose up and punked the defending Super Bowl champions on every level. There was no Troy Palomalu. There was no Joey Porter. Although they came up and did a couple of dances on their whatever play, on whatever down, because I forget because they lost the game. They try to have some attitude. They try to have some high stepping going on. But were shut down by the Oakland defense that was run by Rob Ryan, the madman on the field. He is a tenacious, wild bear on the field. He is a raider. My choice for next head coach, Art Shell, move over. Rob Ryan for president.
Rob Ryan rolled this team up and spit them out. Two games in a row. Defense clicking on all eight. We're working. We move on to Seattle. Great game all. Leaving the parking lot. Insane. No one had a voice. The entire doggone Raider Nation was hoarse. And in your last gasp of voice, you'd have to say, you were saying things like, where's that towel at now? (laughs) I love it. The autumn wind is a pirate. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast. And I am your host, Raider Greg. Welcome to show 124. And here we are with the drama of the season starting to unfold. Earlier than I thought, for sure, 329 days ago, Art Schilt was hired back. Uh, Al Davis said it was a big mistake. And he's out of here. Yes, he's out of here. He's gone. Uh, I had to have a podcast. We had to pop one out because Raider News is going to be happening every week. Randy and I talked about this. Here's a quick note. I want to say thank you to Nolan and crew for rocking the house down at Broncos Stadium and kicking Shanahan's ass. Now, don't make a mistake. This is not to the Niner fans. Nothing to do with you guys. I still think you're Punk ass biatches, but the team came through. I hate the Broncos. Y'all know that. And I just got to give Nolan a big high five for taking him out at home in the playoffs. Great job, Shanahan. Nice to see you, Cutler. Take a vacation. Welcome, Raider fans, to the Raider Nation podcast, and I'm your host, Raider Greg. Here we are, postseason, and, well, it's starting to get a little bit better. The wounds are starting to heal. You know, as I reflect back on the 06 season, it was it was just disgusting. It's horrible, I know. But you have to look at some of the positives that did happen this season, and, you know, you have to look at it. So let's look, look back at some of the things that, that really uh, you have to take into consideration when you look back at the 06 season. As I look back, you know, we really did help to eliminate the Steelers from the possibility of a playoff. That's pretty good because that was one of our two victories. So we did some damage, I guess you could say that. A good thing that happened, of course, was Shanahan got punked in his own house once again looking towards the playoffs. But he got punked at home you're out of here! No playoffs for the hated Donkos. I love it. And it happened at the hand of the 49ers. Last year's joke, along with us, that is. But it's funny to see. I love it. Of course, the Chiefs got biatch slapped by the Colts, and that was nice to see them. And I have to say, the question of who is the worst offense in football, when you look at no first downs and almost three-quarters of football in a playoff game? Yeah. I'm sorry. That is not good. Now, if only the Chargers will lose to the hated Patriots, but I can't have another division uh, rival going on to the playoffs because we just can't have anything in the AFC West like that. So I hope the Chargers get punked by the Pats this weekend and Marty Ball shoot my foot, Heimer. 
We'll blow a 50-amp fuse right on the sidelines, and we can all witness it right there on TV. Okay, so there you go. There's some positives about the season. And now on to show 125. Yeah. Vic is a dick. Why would we, as an organization, want to bring Michael Vic to Oakland? I ask you this. We already have Porter and we have Moss, both head cases. Do we need to add a triple? Do we need the three Stooges here in Oakland? I, as a Raider fan, say, hell no. And, you know, all that talk about him, his talent, his wasted talent, blah, 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 blah. We don't need Vic in Oakland. That's my two cents. I hope it's... Bullshit, because I'll tell you what, we don't need Vic the Dick. Enough said about that. Lane Kiffin will be the answer. He wants to attack. The word attack must have come out 30 times in his statement. I love it. I believe the Raiders are on a very positive streak. I haven't felt this good and a long, long time about this organization and the decisions at the top. I'm not saying we're going to the Super Bowl next year, but I will say this. We have to keep a very close eye on his decisions, on his coaching staff. That's the next step. People are talking about the draft. They're talking about this Michael Vick bullshit. You know what? We have to take baby steps, ladies and gentlemen. Raider fans, we need baby steps before we can make big steps. The steps start now. We really have to see what he's going to do with his staff, how he's going to put it together, whether we're going to keep the same old guys as the line coaches and all that stuff. I hope we don't. There's no disrespect to the old Raiders, no disrespect to all the guys, the Blitnikoffs, all the people, the Willies, everybody who's here there helping. But in all honesty, we need some young, aggressive, right now 20th century coaches in there to booster this kid's uh, offense, to give him an opportunity to succeed, you have to give him the tools. And I think Al Davis is going to open up that wallet and, of course, the toolbox. And we got to get some good coaches in here. So we'll be staying tuned here, Raider Nation, to see what happens with Kiffin's choices for his coaching, of course, and where we're going to go from here. You know what? I got to talk to you guys right now about something we got going on here at the Raider Nation podcast. It's called The Bone Line. And it's a phone line we have here. 1-800-620-7181. That's 1-800-620-7181. Call it. Leave a message. Leave your take. Leave your comments. Like you would in the comments forum section. You can practice it over and over, erase it if you don't like it, do it again, do it again till you get it down to what you want it to sound like, and we will slap it in the podcast. I want to see it, man. You guys are funny. All you guys are really funny. I want to hear you guys' voice on there just letting it go out to the nation. They'd love to hear you too, man, so get your take on and make it bad to the bone, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, without further ado... 
our show 131. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know about my city? The city of Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast. And I'm your host, Raider Craig. Welcome to our show. And the reason I'm laughing is every time I think about Norv Turner going to the San Diego Chargers, you just gotta love it. Because I'll tell you, it just blows me away how beautiful. And the sky is blue and the, and the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day here in our neighborhood. We'll talk more about that. I just cannot believe it. It's beautiful. I need you guys to call the bone line, 1-800-620-7181. Sack up and leave a take, man. That's what I'm telling you. And uh, get on it and get with it and do it. Get on the bone line and tell me how you feel about the draft. What's happening? It's Russell sliding. He came in 10 pounds fat to the combine, which shows me. And he does have a history, Raiders, of not being a very good physical workout. His work ethic has been very, very poor. It's not only me that has said it. It's other people who have been in NFL for a long time have watched this kid from the beginning. His work ethic is not there. Now, take it for what it's worth. I'm just telling you. I'd rather have somebody who was smaller that tried like hell to make it happen than someone who thought they deserved it already and wasn't going to put the effort into it and wanted to skate his entire career. I don't know, just throwing it out there for the nation. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast. And let me tell you, if you're kind of flipped out about not hearing any names in the draft, well, join the crowd because the rest of the nation, too, is blown away because what the hell's going on in Alameda? Well, before I get too much into that, welcome Raider fans to show 136. Yeah. So let's see. What do we got now? We have the Raider Nation podcast comments form section. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, well, let's see. It's been a busy March for you guys. A lot of paranoia going on. There's a lot of anger, a lot of emotion, just like Raider fans. So let's get down here to what we got going on right now. Wow, we got a lot, lot of them. Randy, you're gonna be, uh, you're gonna be loving this. First of all, let me say happy birthday to Randall. That was uh, March 3rd for him, March 5th for me. It's trippy, huh? Yeah, I thought so. So happy birthday, Randy. And uh, couldn't do the show without you. You guys got to understand how much hard work this guy puts in here. It is brutally hard. And before I get too far, 1-800-620-7181, 1-800-620-7181. Get on it. Put some put some action on there. I want to hear some Raider fans. Get on there. Put what your take is, and it works. So uh, so we can put it on the podcast. I want to see it. I want to hear you guys. 
Get on to the bone line and throw us the bone. Okay? And uh, I'm telling you right now, we need to have some bones. So get on there. Um, have a bone and lay a bone, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. Let us see what we have right now. Let's start here at Raider Johnny. Draft 07. I say the Raiders take Peterson with the first pick. The Raiders should pass on Jamarcus Russell because he's already uh, – we already have Walter on the Russell, and we need to find out if Walter is the quarterback of the future. The Raiders have already invested a third-round pick in Walter, and they need to maximize their picks. Why take a quarterback with the first pick when you don't know the guy – when you don't know if the guy on the roster uh, can get the job done? I agree. If Walter doesn't play well after a full season as a starter, then you can move on – after you have given him every chance to be successful. In addition, Jordan has shown that he is not capable of carrying the ball 25-plus times in game consistently. Raider Johnny, excellent take. I agree with you 100%. Um, the Peterson deal, I don't know. I like Peterson, but I'll tell you what, uh, the guy that I like more is Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I know he's down further. Um, in the rankings, but I bet you he's going to be a better running back in the end. He catches a ball out of the back backfield fierce, and he's a great runner. I, I think I go for him. I think I can make more out of him than Peterson, but could be wrong. Raider Rick, Jordan or McGahee? Hmm. Word is Buffalo is looking for a second rounder for McGahee. I say we trade Moss to the Pats for a second rounder and send the second rounder to Buffalo for McGahee. At least McGahee hits the hole running. It seems inevitable that we are going to get stuck drafting QB with our number one. I don't think so. But I was hoping that we could sign a free agent QB. Mm, that's going to be tough, but it's looking like it can happen. So it's not over yet. If we get could, could get McGahee and Moss trade to Green Bay and send a second to Buffalo, draft Calvin Johnson, and then pick up a second-round QB, I'd rather go that route. The kid out of Michigan State looked very good at the combine. For those of you that put a lot of water in that bucket, you know I don't. I don't put a lot of water in the bucket of Brady Quinn either. I want some new linemen as well. With so many needs in a limited cap room, we may all be in for a surprise on draft day. As to our intentions, having done very little at this point, I wonder if we are trying to trade down and fill multiple needs with solid players. That are going to break. That are not going to break the bank. Remember, Rome wasn't built in the day. I agree totally, man. That's what I want to see happen. I hope we don't go for Jamarcus Russell. I hope we're not enamored with his whole physical prowess, because I just don't. I just. Uh, I just don't think it's happening. I don't think it's a good good idea. We need way too many positions, and like you say, we'll break the bank with one guy, and that'll be it. You know, uh, two pumps and a quiver. That's it. It's over. Um, that's what I say. Forget about it. So, on to show 138. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know about my city? So, now we can look a little bit clearer now at what our possibilities for draft is. Now, way back when, when we started talking about this free agency and the draft and Jamarcus, yes, I will call him what I see him, the Pillsbury throw boy, Jamarcus Russell, the guy with very poor drive, the guy that left, went to the combine, and he was overweight, fat, 
didn't throw. Uh, you know what? I don't care what they show him. He show him at LSU, the LSU uh, tryout. The guy just did not have it. And I would hate to spend that first-round money, especially when you're talking about the first eight picks. Their money is big. It's huge. It's fantastically huge. And how would you like to have that sucked out of your team and have absolutely nothing to show for it? I'm still not down with the Jamarcus Russell pick. I know a lot of people are. I really would like to lean towards Calvin Johnson. If you do pick up Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers, as some people like to say, I think he'd be a great choice. I've never seen him throw. Evidently, he did a pretty good job. Green Bay picked him up pretty early in the round, first round, actually, for them. So we could have a quarterback there and then draft a quarterback in the second round, take Calvin Johnson in the first round. And if we got a couple more for Randy Moss, we might get two first-round picks. That would be lovely to see. Um, But we shall see what happens. It's starting to get a little clearer. I think the Calvin Johnson situation looks like it might prove to be fruitful. I would love to see it. And like I said before, Drew Stanton is the hidden diamond here in this lump of coal or this this train just, you know, he is the diamond in the rough. This guy here, I think, would be what we need as far as a quarterback goes. Let's see where we're going from here. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. I want to thank all the MySpace fans that are out there. Randy put us on there, and I cannot believe how insane MySpace has been. We've gotten friends every day. It's a great thing. It's an awesome experience. Thank you guys for Thank you guys for coming in. I love to see the nation. It's an interesting thing. I never even realized MySpace, of course, till my daughter asked for one. Now she has one. Now I have one. It's kind of a trip. My son has one. So it's interesting how this works. I'm not a, a you know, I'm an older guy. So the computer thing is kind of a new thing for me. So this MySpace thing is blowing me away. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for checking it out. We are expanding left and right. Thanks to this uh, MySpace situation. So thanks for coming in. You're all welcome to join in on the show and on the MySpace. You guys on MySpace, you guys are going to get on RaiderNationPodcast.com, get on the comments forum section, and become part of the rank and file of the Raider Nation podcast. Let's hit it. Show 146. Raider Nation, you've been hitting the bone line, and it's very cool to see that. 1-800-620-7181 If you got something to say, man, get on the bone. Fire to the bone. Today we have a dingo ate my baby, who is, of course, from the blackholesun.com. Check out his blog. Very cool and very Cerebral. There you go, Dingoit, my baby. It's on you! Hey, Greg. Hey, Randy. This is a Dingoit, my baby. I'm just calling to talk a little bit about the draft. Man, we had a great, great draft this year. I am so excited about all these young guys coming in. I hope we turn over a bunch of these old veterans and let's get some new blood in here and get some energy. You know, I've been uh, listening to the radio, watching stuff online, and seeing how people are hacking on the Raiders a little bit about the Randy Moss trade. Boy, you know, I don't think that they realize how much we got for that trade. 
we not only got our fourth round pick, but we got $8 million in cap space, and we got a free trip to the doctor. That's right. We went to a proctologist and got a two-year-old complete pain in the ass removed. So I am happy as can be. Have a good one. Later. That's right. I agree with everything he's got to say about the roid that was just removed from our asses collectively as the Raider Nation. Let's get on to the show. One, fifty-five. Today's stories are going to be... Yeah. Al Davis. Speaks. And when Al Davis speaks, people listen. We got Russellgate. We'll talk about the pansy ass uh, that's not signing with the Raiders for some bullshit. Waiting for Calvin Johnson. What a bunch of crap. Raider up, mofo. Sign the goddamn paper. Al's going to pay you. Anyway, let me get into that story. I'm pissed off about that. You know, Otto, number double zero, he lost the battle for his leg. So if the nation could just say a prayer for Jim, you know, the ultimate Raider, he's been around a long time, and uh, he's been Mr. Davis's friend and close confidant for many years. Uh, he's been fighting for this leg for a long time. So he's done it, you know, man, he got a hand to the guy. Even as a young guy, I dreamed that someday uh, I had a dream that I would build the finest organization in professional sports. You know, Al Davis, you know, he comes out so rarely. And when he comes out, the entire universe, it seems to be focused. I don't care where you live, what channel you're looking at, Al Davis is on television. And that's the coolest thing. What other owner gets that type of attention when he comes to the pulpit? Nobody. Uh, nobody, nobody does craft any of these fly by night owners. They don't, they don't, doesn't happen. But when Al Davis speaks, people listen. And Dante Culpepper, uh, he sees a lot of Jim Plunkett in this guy. So he's, he's out there saying, uh, a lot of the right stuff about the team. And the thing about it is it's Al Davis. It's Al Davis. He's talking about, and he shoots from the hip, man. He don't, he don't uh, sugarcoat nothing. He never has. I love Al Davis. What can I tell you? Thank you, Al Davis, for coming out, man. Now, Raider Nation, I want you to listen to the cavalcade of horse crap that will be spewed out about what Al Davis really meant. There's going to be all kinds of little articles. I'm sure there's going to be uh, Nancy Gay will come out with something from the San Francisco Chronicle because she's still feeling the bruise from the one that Al Davis slapped across her silly head when she said some crappy question last time she was allowed at the Oakland Raiders headquarters. And then she was shunned immediately. I love it. So, you know, she got the grudge. You know what I'm saying? Nothing like an angry woman. You know what I'm saying. The analysis of the team is something Lane Kiffin said at his last press conference, which gave me a lot of hope. Lane had a lot of great words about how this team on the 4-12 and was no improvement from the 2-14. and We cannot even be proud about it. He doesn't want to think about it. He doesn't want to look at it. Lane, um, Randy, play some of that Lane Kiffin speech for me, will you? 
he's going to get so much better because he's going to have stuff he never had before. He didn't have a true off season from the beginning. He didn't have, he didn't have a training camp. He didn't have preseason. You know that, you know if you believe in coaching and you believe in that, that that's how players get better. Well, he didn't have that, so um, it, it was really good to see him play that well. And I'm glad that we managed it the way we did. Um, you know, and, and didn't put him because I don't believe there was there was a way he was going to be able to play the way he did yesterday in week six or seven because he, you know, the amount of practice reps that that he's had and the the amount of exposure to other guys playing and all the game plans ha- has helped him and prepared him for that game. It wasn't just last week; it was it was all the time leading up to it. I think it was really important for our whole franchise. I, I think it was really important for our fans, our, our building, our players. Um, everyone to see him play really well and and make some dynamic plays at times that he did and um, it's very valuable because it, it just increases the, their belief and trust in him and and, and where we're going and um, so I think it was really really powerful and important and um, you know it would have been much better if we would have won the game but uh, it, it was really good for him. Yeah, he'll take a little time off right here, but he'll be out here, and um, you know we got a lot of work to do, and um, and and he's ready to go. He's fired up about um, you know being being a leader on this team and and being the guy calling the plays and in that huddle and and getting the guys around him and and getting the timing and getting familiar with these guys and and um, he's ready. For the guys in this room that we're going to bring back, what our expectations is for you, and, and what we need to do to to get over this get over this hump and start winning these games and um, I, I thought it was a really good meeting and I think um, they understand that, that there's a there's a commitment here to get this thing fixed and get it going the right direction and um, even talking to some of them afterwards you, you know um, you know maybe I need to pay attention more to, to the media and stuff because um, it was it was a good meeting because I had a couple players afterwards say well I guess that means you're staying you know I didn't even I didn't even I hadn't even thought to even address that to the guys like, well, we read all the internet. Everything says you're, you're going somewhere. So, um, so I guess it helped that too. Yeah, Lane wasn't messing around. He's serious. He means business. Obviously so. He fired somebody the first day after our last game. That, to me, gives me some hope um, in what's going to be going on this season. Okay, here goes Big Al pops down the bonies. That's for damn sure. Al Davis came in big with the signing of Tommy Kelly, which when I heard it on the radio, I had to listen to it again to make sure I got the numbers right. Holy crap. You think all the other owners in the NFL, the 32 other owners, just crapped a brick. Because they just said to themselves, oh, my gosh, look what we're going to have to pay for a defensive lineman. Unbelievable. After resigning 27-year-old lineman Tommy Kelly to the largest contract ever given a defensive tackle, 
the Raiders went out and signed one of the big names of this year's class, ex-New York Giants safety, Gabriel, and I'm sure I screwed that name up, Gabriel, probably, Wilson, to a six-year, $39 million deal. The 26-year-old will be paid 19.5 over the next three years. And the deal makes him the third highest paid safety in the NFL. And that has to, you know, you got to think about what's going on with Huff. And definitely Stewie could be out of the picture, (laughs) as we were all talking about last year because of his lack of tackling skills. Together, the two contracts dish out $89.5 million in exchange for 13 combined years of service from Kelly and Wilson on the Raiders' defense. In the meantime, as a team sack leader from last season, defensive end Chris Clemens signed a five-year contract with the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. Why did we get rid of Chris Clemens? Can anyone tell me? That guy is going to be a superstar. Jamarcus Russell? Like Gannon? What the hell do they have in common? What's the difference between me and you? What's the difference between me and you? Well, I'm going to tell you what they have in common right now, Raider Nation. They both have no nothing in common when it comes down to the veracity and the attitude on the field. We have two different personalities. You have Gannon, the intense, the yelling, the screaming, the very focused individual. You have Jamarcus Russell, very much more laid back, definitely a leader, but a different style of leading, more of a relaxed style, like Montana had a very relaxed style of leadership. I'm going to tell you right now, the thing they do have in common is the intensity at which they approach the game. You cannot ask more from a player than to participate over and above what they ask of him. And this is Jamarcus Russell. Of late, since the season started, and I mean the season started the ninth of this month, I'm going to tell you right now, this guy has been in early, three weeks early, watching film late, practicing on the field, running routes, getting into the offensive playbook, and learning everything it takes to be the man. He is putting 110% effort in. This is no bullshit. This is no hype. This is not media shit. This is the real deal, folks. Our quarterback is a serious kid. This guy is coming out big time. After five years of beatings, after five years of press releases of questionable (laughs) character and fact, I, as a Raider fan, have been pummeled just like you. Holding my head high, as you have too, I just go right through it and say, you know, this is the time that it's it's building time. So what we were doing, what's what we're doing. Oh, you don't rebuild. You know, you've heard them all before. I have them on the forum. People talk about it a lot. The verbal abuse. I love it. I <laughs> bring that shit on. I'm going to tell you right. Bring that shit on, motherfucker. Because our time has come. The worm has turned, Raider Nation. And I know I've heard it before. Oh, we say it every year. Of course we say it every year. 
We say it every year because we're Raider fans, but I'm going to tell you right now, there is a twinkle in my eye. And what that twinkle is, is Darren McFadden. It's Gabriel Wilson. It's D'Angelo Hall. It's Asamoah. It's our team, folks, our team. Look at our team. Just sit back. Don't take one particular part of it. Just look at our team. Look at our offense and look at our potential defense. Just look at them. Look at this gelling of young men at a sport with two years of the same coach, two years of the same playbook, consistency in coaching, consistency in workout and diet, Consistency in ethic, consistency in playing. This is what we've needed all along. It was January of 07 when I was excited about the naming of a new head coach of the Raiders, a young guy who I thought was dynamic. I thought could carry the flag, carry the torch of the Raiders because I wanted to get young. I wanted to get young people into the organization. And uh, we had our meeting here, I think it was in this room, and his family, I knew them, uh, his family, uh, I knew him for about 30 years. His father once applied for a job with us when we were in Los Angeles, that's Monty Kiffin. I knew uh, the father of uh, Lane's wife, and uh, we were excited, and I was excited. I knew it was a, a bold attempt, calculated but I had always had a great success, or at least I thought I did, with young people. And even those that didn't stay with me long, I knew were qualified and quality, and sometimes things just don't work out. It was after a short period of time that I realized I didn't hire the person I thought I was hiring. And there are reasons which I could go into, but I thought what I would do is bring you up to the period of time right now when this morning I called Lane and told him that uh, he no longer is the head coach of the Oakland Raiders and uh, I'm dismissing him with cause and uh, that I just just couldn't go on much longer with the uh, what I would call propaganda, the lying that had been going on for weeks and months and a year and time. And uh, he had a few questions. He says, does that mean I don't get paid? I said, that's what I'm saying to you. I said, I warned you, and uh, I will go over with you people exactly how I warned them. Well. Raider Nation to the Raider Nation podcast, and I am your host, Raider Craig. Welcome to our show. Well, you have hit it. This is the 2009 extravaganza. That's right. It's the big show, and Randy has gone to great pains to put it together for you guys, and we think it's going to be a very special show. It's a hell of a long one, that's for sure. But in it, you will see a microcosm of the entire season some of the triumphs and the tragedies, some of the tears and the cheers of the 2009 season. We hope that you enjoy the entertainment that we try to provide, (laughs) and we hope you find it in this season. Thanks, Randy, for all your hard work, because, man, he really put it together 
on this show. And here it is. I am so pumped about this season, I can't believe it. The Chargers are not going to go to the Super Bowl this year, for sure. But they're our main competition for the West. If we can beat the Chargers and stay on top of them, there is no reason that we cannot go to the playoffs by taking the AFC West division. I think that's priceless. I'm going to go on a rant. Fuck it. I'm going on a rant. Sorry I had to throw that in there, but I'm kind of pissed. It's been a long time since we've gotten anyone any good on the line, either side. I think maybe after Gallery, Al Davis was afraid to pick a lineman. I don't know. But you can't play that way. Good teams like the Giants picked up their guys in the draft. They traded very well. I mean, they're well-run organizations. I don't care how we do it. But I know we haven't been drafting well at it, but we got to fucking fix the offensive line and the defensive line. If we did have a quote unquote decent offensive line, the very least we would get is good running yards. Look at Bradshaw alone in this game put up 110 yards on our holy defense. 110. Bush got 37. Our offensive and defensive lines are where we got to start. The skilled players we have, we have nobody in the trenches. Nobody's making that happen. And it's woefully evident on both sides of the ball, even on the defense. I mean, come on. Stop that freaking run. They are killing us in the run. And they're passing pretty good, too. Chris Johnson, I don't know what happened, man. But it looks to me like the entire team has lost its spirit. I want the fans to see. I want the whole nation to see a team trying to win, not trying not to lose so bad. That's all I'm asking for. That's all we're asking for. We will have on this show the post game for the Eagles versus the Raiders. The new motto of the week. If it flies, it dies. I love it. That's great. The Raiders have lost their last three in a row and have scored only 16 points. It's the three and one Philadelphia Eagles against the one and four Oakland Raiders. Our line is solid. Our line is really solid and always been solid. Three receivers in for Philly, two right, one left. Ellis Crutcher, a sack again for Trevor Scott. He's got two already in less than seven minutes of play. Really solid and always been solid. Our offense is solid. Obviously, I think I, I totally agree. All right. So what else? Any? Uh, I know we. I posed a question last week. Um, any worries about this game coming up? Is this an absolute slam dunk? No doubt about it. We're a good team. <laughs> I mean, this is the end of the free ride. I mean, the Redskins, although they suck, they always seem to play us tough, and that's a Monday nighter. So this is the last of the um, the layups. It looks like so. Get healthy here, put another win in the uh, in the bank, and then we can get to the meat of the schedule, looks like. Yeah. Is this an absolute slam dunk? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I think I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
First and ten, Raiders on the 14-yard line. They fake the stretch to Fargus. Russell back, throws middle, caught. Zach Miller, first down, 35. Gets by a man, 40. Midfield gets a block from Murphy down the sideline, 30. 25, 20, cuts inside, 10, a block. He's going all the way in the end zone for a touchdown. An incredible catch and run there by Zach Miller. He dives into the block hole after an 86-yard catch and run. Yeah, there's nothing the Raiders can do about it. He dives into the block hole after an 86-yard catch and run. There's nothing they can do about it. First and ten, Raiders. Handoff, no, a play action to Fargus, a throw middle, and a catch by sliding Zach Miller. Jamarcus Russell's come alive here. Yeah, there's nothing the Raiders can do about it. First and ten, Raiders on their 35, playing with a 7-3 to three lead. Play action to Fargus. Russell back. Time. Now going to run out left. He has room to go. 40. Tries to put a move. A 360 spin. He runs for a first down. He did Chris Gokong. Any worries about this game coming up? There's nothing the Raiders can do about it. I totally agree. 43-yard field goal by Akers. Dornboss has it down. And Akers' field goal is no good. He misses wide left. You know, it's like we have all these weapons that we will use. This will be from 47 from the left hash mark, left-footed kicker. Snap good, hold down, plenty of distance. It's no good. He missed it wide right. Our, our offense is solid. Philadelphia has missed their last six third down conversions. They're a meager 2 of 13 in the, on the day. We can score plenty of points on bad teams. That's really not our issue. Jackson, Macklin, Avant, and Brown. Here's McNabb, and he's going to get sacked by Richard Seymour, which may put him out of field goal range. Back out of the 37-yard line. A huge sack there. A 10-yard sack by Richard Seymour. We haven't seen a screen pass in three weeks. The bye week, and then this one, and then the Kansas City. We didn't see one, one pass that killed us every time, which was the screen that killed us in the in the Saints game. I mean, I don't know what the... I guess they don't have a screen in their playbook, the teams that we played the last couple weeks, but that beats us. That beats us every time. There's nothing the Raiders can do about it. High formation. Miller goes in motion left to right. Play action, a blitz, a screen out to Russell, the fullback. Uh, breaks a tackle to Samuel. Breaks another and runs for a first down. First down, Raiders on the Eagle 31-yard line. You know, it's like we have all these weapons that we will use. How do you feel about Donovan McNabb? He's fantastic. Watching him out there, no, it's amazing to watch him out there and seeing him out there and saying how good he is. He's so good. He's really good. He's the superstar. He really is a superstar. Third and seven, McNabb play action. A blitz by Morrison. They got him. Thomas Howard finished him off. I can speak for, for myself and I should speak for everybody. I'm embarrassed. The Raiders outcoached us and they outplayed us from uh, every phase of the game. Hats off to them. They did a heck of a job, man. Heck of a job, and, and we didn't. I, I thought they blocked better. I thought they tackled better. I, you know, I thought they coached better. They coached better. Number one, they coached better. Tell you what, Tom did a heck of a job, man, getting his team ready to play. My hat's off to, to the Raiders. They, they were better than us today. They're a better football team than us. I was so mad. Look, look, I almost didn't make this show tonight because I was so freaking pissed off. It is such a bad loss. Absolutely the laughing stock of the league this week playing that game. Absolutely. Unbelievable. 
I was so mad. These kind of games make me wonder why I even put the emotion I put into it. Yeah, it was Reed's fault. Everybody got hurt. We had three guys going for, for an MRI on Monday. It is such a bad loss. They lost to a pathetic team, and it's going to bite them in the ass. I was so mad. I almost <laughs> took a toothpick and stuck it right in my eyeball. Because I couldn't say that would, that would probably be less painful. Third down and 10 of the Raiders 27-yard line. Here's McNabb back. Time. Cox throws the waiver. Got blasted. Blasted. He caught the ball. But he actually lost yardage in doing so because Chris Johnson just steamrolled him. whole thing was uh, an absolute debacle. And, and, and uh, it's, one in my mind, one of the top three losses, worst losses in this franchise's history. First and 10 Raiders starting on their 20. High formation behind Russell. The play action rolls right into pressure. Throws to Russell, though. The fullback's got it. And he'll run out for a good chunk of 18, 19 yards all the way to the 38-yard line. A complete waste of three and a half hours of my time. It is a fourth and four on the 44. Now the Eagles go to a three receiver, two running back, no tight end set. They go slot left. McNabb in the gun. Fourth down and four. Four-man pressure. McNabb throws over the middle. It is no. incomplete or caught by Jackson off a shoe top. No, it is no, incomplete. No, no. It's incomplete. Incomplete. The Raiders have the ball. Donovan fades back. He looks around, jumping around like a jumping bean because he can't calm down because he gets so excited in the moment, doesn't find anybody, and then creates something. And this is what our offense is based on. Our, our offense is solid and will be solid for the next few years. Obviously, I think I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Donovan McNabb? He's so good. He's really good. He's the superstar. He really is a superstar. They were coming almost every down yeah. and finding McNabb in the same spot every time. Because every play they call really goes to pot as soon as they hike the ball. We look at their, their package, and they, they Donovan said it. They said they never blitz. They play a zone coverage. They never blitz. And they come in and blitz, and then we don't know what to do. Everything was called into question. McNabb's lead, leadership ability, Andy Reid's coaching ability. Absolutely the laughing stock of the league this week. Nope. That offensive line was a sieve, and those guys were blitzing him nonstop. Yeah, there's nothing the Raiders can do about it. You know, it's like we have all these weapons that we will use. Obviously, I think I, I totally agree. Fullbacks and tight ends had 13 catches. Yeah, it was Reed's fault. So why is everybody so angry about this loss? Because there's so few precious games in the season where you can truly say that you're clearly a better team than your opponent. And in the division that we play in, every game is a knockdown, drag them out affair. We haven't played one of them yet. Our schedule is so tough the second half of the season. You get a layup in front of you against a clearly inferior team, and you throw that opportunity away. And every other team in your division lost in the same week. Like, it, it, it is an opportunity that you simply cannot get back. It's incalculable damages could do in terms of playoff hopes. I mean, if we finish with a tiebreaker, tied with the Giants, for example, and then we split one-to-one, -one, but they win the extra tiebreaker because they had a better division record. It's this Raiders game. It's this game that, that everyone's going to point to and say, well, they didn't stub their toe in week six against a crappy Oakland team that went 2-14 and 14 this season. They'd be in the playoffs. What they call 22 personnel, two backs, two tights, and they're, they're going to play action and roll Russell out. He goes to Russell. Gary Russell will run for the first down! First down! And there it goes, the final gun. And the Oakland Raiders have upset the Philadelphia Eagles here by a score 
of 13 to 9. Out of the gun is Gradkowski back. Four-man rush time. Throws. Caught. Schillings. First down. Raiders to stay alive. He's dropped on the Bengal 29-yard line. Unbelievable catch. Great pass. Great presence. Gradkowski has patience. He reminds me of Gannon. I hate to say it. I don't want to compare anybody, but he has patience that way, and he lets the play develop before he makes the decision to throw the ball. Incredible vision. I'm so happy. I can't even believe it. And you should be happy too, man, because it was not a win by a a thin line. It wasn't a win by luck. It wasn't a win because we drove the ball down on a fluke drive like Marcus used to do. It was a win by a determined team who played their hearts out and went all the way down and played for 60 frickin' minutes and did their job. Kudos to the Raiders. Great job to the team. I'm looking forward to the next game, and so should you. We have hope, Bruce Almighty. And that is all I have to say about that. Marcus Russell under center, short drop, looking, hit from behind, and he is going to get piled drive by Andre Carter. Miller tight end in motion. Russell takes a snap, heat off the backside. Arakpo, another sack. I would love to see Brian Orkapo. Okapo, whatever you call his name. Third sack of the game for Brian Arakpo. Okapo. <laughs> Russell from behind, and there's a fumble. It's That's loose. Good. Andre Carter can't fall on it. He wanted a touchdown. It was at the two-yard line. Arakpo, his fourth sack of the game. Okapo, whatever you call his name. Arakpo made the sack. Andre Carter could have been the hero of the game, but he fumbled the ball. Here's a punt by Lechler from the six-yard line. Very short. A fumble by end. Randall L. The World Raiders may have it here in midfield. They do. Marcus Russell in the shotgun. First to ten at the midfield stripe. Back to pass. Sack. He's hit. He has sacked. Marcus Russell in the shotgun. Takes a snap. Heat up the middle. He's going to get hit. Sack. He's going to get sacked again. That's it. The ball's turned over. So the Red Carter this time. Andre Second Car- sack of the game for Andre Carter. And the final score is 34-13. Very disappointed. You know, we, we, we had an opportunity to, to try and take another step forward. We did not do that. Uh, too many penalties. You know, not enough flow offensively, uh, defensively. You know, just really struggled, it seemed like, a little bit in the first half in the secondary. Um, and then we're never able to really come back and, and make a stand or do anything about it in the second half. And, and very, very disappointed right now. Now, before the game, the tailgate was awesome, of course, like it always is at Kingsford's Kirks. Gradkowski's dad was there. What a gentleman. What a sincere, real dude. A working-class man, proud of his son. It was great to talk to him, and I was proud to give him a good, healthy handshake. I'll tell you right now, he is a real deal, and it was a pleasure to meet him. That was before the game. When the game started, we had hope. We had we had hope because Gradkowski gives us hope, and he played every bit as well as he's played every game for this Oakland Raider team. He came out with heart, passion, and fire and started hitting people right off the bat. Our running game was stifled, of course. Couldn't get much on the ground. I think we only got 65 yards total, but we tried. We drove the ball down the field and got a touchdown with Justin Fargus and... 
kept the ball alive, kept the field alive, kept the game alive with a score of 17-13. We had hope. We had prayers. It looked like it was going to happen for us. I felt good about our opportunity to win this game. And then, of course, the worst thing that we all thought could happen, Gradkowski gets sacked, injures both his knees, and the kid kept trying to come back. You could see him on the sideline. He'd come out, he'd run, he'd go back in a tunnel, he'd come out, and he just could not make it happen. And guess who came in to take his place? Number two. Yes, when you're a child, you always hear about number two. You're taught about number two. You're taught about how not to do number two in your pants. Well, evidently, the number two that the Raiders have didn't learn his lesson because he crapped all over himself again in Oakland. Horrifying to watch. And let me tell you, the Raider Nation did not waste any time telling him and Al Davis what we think of his bullshit. He got booed so harshly that I I almost, now I got to tell you, almost felt bad for the guy. Not... Fourth down, one last shot. Fries back, looking left, time. Cox can't do it, gets spun around, and he's sacked to lose the game. We will not run another play at Brown Stadium today, and the Browns are going to win their third game in a row. They played exceptional defense here today and win it by a score of 23-9 over the Raiders with one more game to play. We'll also hit the post-Brownie game. What a freaking nightmare. It was so painful. Just cut my hemorrhoids off, please. Well, although the Ravens came in ranting that they were going to bury us and they came in with a vengeance, listen, they were lucky, and I mean very lucky, that they got out of Oakland with a W. Our team played hard and strong in the first half. We had an opportunity to win this game. You know, everything was going just fine until Charlie Fry hurt his back. When Charlie Fry hurt his back, that was the end of the game and the beginning of a huge throng of boos. And I mean insanely huge. Uh, I thought last time Jamarcus came on the field, I felt bad for him. This time I was one of the top booers in the fucking stands. Now, he did throw some convincing passes, but every time the guy gets the ball, I'm telling you, this Raider fan, I'm so paranoid of the obvious. When will he fumble, and when will he throw a pick? And it wasn't long before the pick came first. The fumble, shortly after, lost both of those, consequently lost us the game. We had momentum. We lost that. And, of course, the team deflated like a summer blow-up toy in the sun. You know, I could beat this team up all day long, but I'm not going to because we had some great performances from players throughout the entire season. Let's look forward to a new season, a better season, one with some hope. The team is there. We have the youth. We have the speed. We have the desire to win, which is something I haven't seen in a long time. We just need a little more. We say it every season. Yes, I know. But you have to take and dissect the season, folks. If we had a decent quarterback, we would have a nine-win season. I'm not kidding. 
This is our game. This is our team. And it's going to be a better team next year. This is Ritter Greg from the Ritter Nation podcast. And I have one thing that I got to say. Hit the road, Jack. Jacarcus, Jamarcus, Jadummy, Jafunny, Jafatso, Jadouble Cheeseburger with Fries. You call it whatever you want to call it, but it's toast cut from the Oakland Raiders today. That is correct. Thursday, the 6th of May, a day that will go down in Raider history. It is just about freaking time. We were all, I'm telling you, man, people were depressed. People freaked out that he was going to hang for the $10 million salary this year and be the same jafumbling, jafumbling, mumbling fool with, of course, the diamond-encrusted pendant that reads, Chosen. Well, now he can add a few diamonds more to it and say, Chosen to be a chump or chosen to be cut. How about that? That's even better. The bone line's been going berserk. Yes, sir. This is Raider Boy calling in Thursday, May 6th, 2010. A day that will live in infamy. We should all mark it down in our calendars. The fatty is gone. Jamarcus Russell gone. I'm sure I'll be one of about 40 calls. Absolutely ecstatic. I'm contemplating whether to try to pull the letters off the back of that jersey and the number two off the sleeves in the back without tearing it up or just go out and just burn the shit out of that mother. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast 59-14. to 59-14, the Raiders slap the hose in their own house in Invesco Field. Broncos management was handing out Preparation H by the case before the fans left at halftime. We'll talk about that and more here on show 288. Jason Campbell with a play fake sets in the pocket. Floats one to wide open. This is going to be Zach Miller inside the 20, the 15, the 10-5. Touchdown Oakland and way too easy. 43 yards and Zach Miller was all by himself. There was nobody downfield with the tight end. Orton with the play fake. Pocket collapsing. Cowell sets and throws. Pass to be picked off down the east side. Line 2015, 10-5. Touchdown Oakland. That's Chris Johnson, the seven-year corner out of Louisville. And the Raiders, just like that, with their second touchdown, a 30-yard interception return by Chris Johnson. 13-0 Oakland. Until they looked at the scoreboard, and it was 14-0. Tebow in the uh, pistol set. Gronkowski, the tight end, now in motion left side. They run the option, but here's the end-around flip to Demarius Thomas. Thomas is going to be pulled down right at the line of scrimmage, bounces the ball off the turf, but they're going to say no fumble. With that coach's challenge, by the way, the Raiders have challenged. Prior to being down by contact, the ball belongs to Oakland at the 21-yard line where they recover. Counter trade left side, McFadden is going to walk into the end zone. There wasn't a blue jersey within a yard and a half of him. 
and then 21 to 0, and then 24 to 0. Third down and goal, Raiders. Uh, the Denver 19, look at the motion. McFadden to Campbell's left in the gun, slot right. Campbell screen to McFadden. A block, and he may go. 10, 5, lowers his head. He's in. He's on the goal line. Touchdown, Raiders. And the last four yards were pure McFadden. He ran right over Ronaldo Hill and knocked his helmet off. And it kept going. And every time they scored, we answered quickly. There are so many <laughs> kudos that have to go around to this team. But I'll start right now with the people I've been bashing the hardest. That's coaching. The offense was imaginative. It was like a breath of fresh air. It was like the first breeze in the spring. There was nothing mundane or pedestrian about the play calling. It was so imaginative. I mean, the swing passes and the blockings and and the formations. It was just a great effort. I can't even tell you, man. I mean, Chris Johnson returned pick six on the first offensive play from Kyle Orton. Deflated him like a balloon. <laughs> and we had unsung heroes. We had tons of them. Nick Miller. What a guy. He was a sung hero. Zach Miller in tight motion left. Here comes a blitz. They overload it. The Raiders right. A lob down the sideline for Nick Miller. He went up. He made the catch. Is he inbounds? Yeah, he is it. inbounds at the nine-yard line. Jacoby Ford came out of nowhere. Murphy got a got his shoulder blade messed up. Jacoby Ford came in, stepped in. Valdir went from left tackle to center. When Satelli had a small concussion, Chris Johnson, Michael Huff, Rolando McLean, Tyvon Branch, Mike Mitchell. Brandon Lloyd goes out wide right, one-on-one -on -one with Johnson, three receivers left. Kelly forces Orton up in the pocket. He cocks the throw, did not throw. Now a run, 20, dives, fumbled the ball. Picked up by Tyvon Branch. The Raiders have it on the Denver 14-yard line. Another takeaway deep in Denver territory. Kyle Orton trying to run for the ball. Run for the first down of the ball. Poked out of there by Mike Mitchell, who's having a great game. And Tyvon Branch picked it right up off the turf. Shane Leckler. Sebastian Janikowski, the list just keeps going on and freaking on. I mean, here are some of the highlights of this freaking game. First of all, it's the 100th game between the Raiders and the Bronco. The 100th game is in the books at a 59-14 slaughter. I mean, how many times you got to beat a hoe? I mean, that was a record set by the Oakland Raiders for most Points in a game and a division rival, no less, in the Raiders' history. We absolutely sucked the life of the absolute last breath out of the Broncos' season. They are done for the year, I will tell you right now. Not only just win this contest, we have emasculated these guys. They got nothing left, man, for anybody Watch them burn from a distance. <laughs> well, it was Halloween, and the Raiders choked a sea chicken. You gotta love it. I love it. You love it. 
We're going to talk about that victory and more here on show 289. The fans were ready. We were ready. We were ready for some positive action. Everyone in the tailgate was really pumped, looking up to the fact that, that we could make it to a two-game possible winning streak. For us, two is a streak, folks. you got to admit that. But we were all ready. We are excited. We were talking about it. We are thinking, you know, we got a chance. Look at our team. Look at what's happening. Now, I'm going to deviate here for a second. When I look around at these people I see at this tailgate, on this beautiful Sunday in October, Halloween, October 31st, I just thought to myself what it'll be like when the Raiders do finally make it to the top, when they're playing for the AFC Championship at home again. And there are throngs and throngs of bandwagon fans hanging out all over with their Raiders stuff and their masks and all the stuff that they bring because they're fair-weather fans. And I just looked at these people and I thought, well, you know what? Through the crowd, I will see these folks. But these aren't the only Raider fans. There are Raider fans all over the world who would just die to have an opportunity to be standing in that place, in the Mecca, the parking lot where the Raiders play. And there we were, walking up to our seats, beautiful 70-degree day. I mean, it was epic. It was a beautiful day. And here comes the Oakland Raiders. This game was full of just fantastic things. I mean, there was an immaculate reception, a bounce off a guy's fingers, off somebody's back, and then, you know, Bush picks it up and runs it back. There were some great things that happened in this game for a change. For a change. Listen, Raider Nation, you guys know what I'm saying here. For a change. The Raider Nation have changed from bumbling, fumbling fools to a hard-working, gutsy football team that gets the job done. We're going to talk about the offense, man, because, man, that's 500 yards of offense in the last two contests. We're ranked 13th in the NFL. That's a hell of a way to go, man. Listen to where we've been and listen to where we are right now. We have got to help our team, man. Darren McFadden had his fourth 100-yard rushing game this season. In freaking sane. Averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Marcel Reese. Reese! That name we've been hearing a lot more of, and I can see why, man. He ran twice for 32 yards. And on a fourth and one, he made it to the end zone, man. The guy plays... Crazy. A wide receiver turned into a fullback. Go figure. Only the Oakland Raiders. Michael Bush had nine carries for 51 yards. Hayward Bay had his first 100-yard game. (laughs) 69-yard pass. Down the west side for a touchdown, man. It was beautiful. Now, all this is attributed to one thing, man. Our offensive line. All year, this season, we have been bitching about the offensive line. I have. You have. Khalif Barnes got a six-yard pass. (laughs) They always say number 69 is eligible. Well, he was eligible and open, so Campbell threw him the ball. What a game of games, man. Offensive line, the gain over 500 yards. 500 yards. They only gave up two sacks. 
I mean, the running game, 239 yards on 39 carries, average 6.1 yards per carry. Come on. Who is this team? This is our Oakland Raiders, and they're picking up, and they're doing better than expected. I I can't believe the last time we had this type of team was back in 2000, 2002, 1999. We had a team like this that just broke out all over everybody. And we didn't get any love then. Remember, Raider Nation, we didn't get any love in 2002, brother. They just blew these guys off the line. They had their choice of Hasselbeck's leg, thigh, you pick it up, wing. (laughs) It was a smorgasbord of chicken. It was El Pollo Loco. I think this team is just learning how to win. Uh, I feel like, you know, we're learning how to come together as a team and uh, be a unit. And it's not always going to be pretty. You know, in the first half, we moved the ball, but we weren't able to get touchdowns. And, you know, sometimes it'd be that way. But we would like to correct and get more touchdowns. And in the second half, you know, the defense did an outstanding job of presenting us with a shorter field. And, uh, and I thought that we did a good job of uh, getting the ball in. But my hat goes off to the coaching. Once again, it was refreshing. Once again, it was an imaginative once again, we dominated, and we, we made the plays work. We ran the ball on the number two defense running team in the NFL. We ran it down their ass. I love this game. It was a great game to see, man. I am so glad I was there to see it. And that is all I have to say about that. Welcome to this show. Well, the season is over. The finale, a 31-10 beating of the Kansas City Chiefs. You gotta just love that. And a pummeling in general of the AFC West. You gotta love it. That and the coaching carousel. Brother. Here on show 300. First off, I thought the Raiders came in here and... uh... Handled us in most areas. I got to give them credit for being ready to go, uh, uh, running the football, doing those things. I mean, uh, 200 plus yards rushing. Uh, you give up that kind of yardage rushing, you're going to generally lose the game. Um, when you take seven sacks, you're going to generally lose the game. Um, when you turn the ball over, you're going to generally lose the game in this league. And uh, we just did too many things overall that uh, will get you beat. Um, and uh, That's uh, how the game went. But look where we are. Look what we've done to this Chiefs team. We demoralized them a week before they play the Ravens in the playoffs. You know that that's got to have a big-time impact on your game, man. Especially the Raiders come in your house and slap you around, man. Anyway, not to take away from the team, but it was a wonderful team win. And a wonderful way to end this season, I just got to say. And I, I, as a Raider fan, take my hat off to everyone on the team for working hard and going in there and doing it and working hard for us, the fans, man. I mean, uh, you put on some great contests with some epic moves, some great memories for this season. And you know what? That's all I can ask for, really. I'd love to see the playoffs, but, man, come on. What a year the Raiders have made. It's a tremendous turnaround, and uh, I, I, for one, am thankful to the team. And that is all I have to say about that. 
because our next story is all that. I dreamed that uh, we would have the finest players, finest coaches, greatest coaches. The best coaches, the best players. Let me go back to the go back to the last one. The best coaches. <laughs> you know that's some bullshit. Well, by now the Raider Nation is well aware that the Raiders have canceled their basic cable. Yep. The team let good old Coach Cable know they were not picking up his contract. What a surprise. Now, we all knew this was coming. Not. Let's just take a look back at, uh, well, what it was like last year. Speculation swirled that Cable was going to lose his job at the end of the season. I mean, I was almost positive that it was going to happen. Uh, I was hoping it wasn't. The rest of the Raider Nation was kind of about the same way. We wanted some consistency at the coaching rank. Joe! 301. Our coach Jackson, you know what? I welcome him to the Raider Nation as the number one leader of our team. I welcome him as someone who I expect to take us to the next level. And the fact that we got Al Saunders as an offensive coordinator gives me some freaking hope, as it should you. And the CBA rumbles and bumbles and fumbles its way through the news. We're going to talk about that and more here on show 303. Don't worry about the CBA. It'll get handled. It's a joke because the media is making it a joke. And it'll get handled. All the issues, all the what-ifs will be signed, sealed, and delivered by kickoff next season. That, I'm telling you, is a $9 billion promise from Raider Greg. And that is all I have to say about that. It's time for some Raider football. I love it. (laughs) Welcome to the Raider Nation podcast. And I'm your host, Raider Greg. Welcome to this show. This would be show number 301. So during this NFL lockout, the owners and the players and all that, we've talked about it. We've been beat to death with it. I'm sick and freaking tired of hearing about it. But during the vote, 31 teams voted yes. Al Davis voted abstained. Him and A.B. Trax delivered a message to the NFL that they've been bitching about the same crap for a long time. And it didn't get resolved in this contract either. I believe the old man still has it. I believe his ideas were crisp, they were real, and he was shunned by the rest of the geek-ass owners in the NFL. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast, a special edition. Yes, you've probably heard it already. If you haven't, Oakland Raiders owner Al Davis, the renegade, the standalone owner, the one who had his own mind, his own direction, and his own way of doing business. 
Mr. Al Davis passes away today, October 8th, 2011. A day that will go down in history for the Raider Nation. That's a fact. We're going to hit on that and more here on show 318. I I believe in that strongly, tradition history. I know we're losing a lot of it in our culture, but if I can help it, if I can put my mark, my legacy, uh, the Raiders will always believe in tradition, history. The Raiders closing in on the Super Bowl championship. There's the gun sounding the end of the game. Uh, We finally broke through. We won the Super Bowl. Well, Raider Nation, the face, the heart, and the soul of the Oakland Raiders has passed on. He's passed on to greener pastures. He is having a hard time the last few years of his life with health issues and having to go back and forth to the hospital, medicines. And I think the worst thing for him was the inability to stay with his team. The inability to stay out there in the practice field, to go to the games and, and enjoy the rivalry between teams and owners. I think that was probably the worst thing for Al Davis in his latter years. I think it was probably hardest for him not to go on these away games and go to training camp. I think that was really tough on him. I know his body was racked with illness, and he strived to keep a hand on this organization that he alone made, built, and made into solid concrete, a team that will be revered throughout history in the NFL. Thank you, Al Davis. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, the millions of fans around the globe, the team that you made for us, the victories that you made happen for us, the games, the players, the phrases, the essence of the team. For you, my friend, Mr. Al Davis, you are and always will be the Oakland Raiders. Greg Papa, just very difficult news. Where were you when you found out that Al Davis had passed away? How are you taking it as well as the team right now? Uh, I found out very early this morning, Henry, when uh, John Herrera, the Raiders, uh, called me. Uh, I don't even know what time it was. I think it was before clock in Houston. And he said, uh, I need to come up to your room and speak to you. And I, 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 I knew right away what it was. Uh, and I've been sharing this with Ray for the last several months. Uh, Al's not been in good health for for a long time, but the last the last few months have been really difficult. And uh, it's hard to to uh, come to grips with it. You know, when you, you know something's coming, but then when it actually arrives, uh, the emotion is overwhelming. We've all experienced it, but uh, I'm I'm doing this with you now because I think uh, it, I spoke a lot about death with Hal Davis. He, uh, whenever anybody died, we talk. He'd call me, you know, somebody close to me, people with the Raiders, and he was always so strong. Uh, uh, he was very prideful of all the uh, eulogies that people asked him to give, even. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, the great boxer, in his office, he has a picture of that. So he was always at his strongest in, in moments like this. So I'm trying to be Al Davis strong today, but it's tough. Now we're going to get to the bone line, folks, because uh, we got to get to it because everyone has something to say. 
I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let you guys roll on. Uh, Randy's going to string together a bunch of calls because there's a lot of them. Uh, you say what you got to feel, man. I'm not going to say a word. I've said what I need to say, and I think you deserve to say what you, you need to say. It's a solemn day for us. Uh, we gotta we got to come together, man, and I think we are. Uh, sad, sad day. So let's get to the bone line, and let's just do a string of calls, and, uh, well, let's just hear what the nation has to say about Al Davis's passing. Rangel Lerma from Fresno, California. Just wanted to say, Al, we'll miss you, we love you, and we'll see you in heaven. And God be with all of us at this time. Amen. This is Pennsylvania Raider. A sad day in uh, the Raider Nation today. Just like to say thank you, Mr. Davis, for having the greatest football team ever in the world. Thank you for everything that you've given us, three Super Bowl champions, great players, great fan base, the colors, the Raider philosophy, if you will, just uh, on behalf of all the Raider fans and from this Raider fan, we're going to miss you, pal. There'll never be another one like you. God bless. Rest in peace. We love you, Al. Welcome to our show. Well, obviously, we didn't have a postseason. Yeah. That's what I got to say about that. But we do have a general manager. We're going to hit on that and more here on show 331. Mr. Davis, please hire a general manager. Can you manage it? Can you manage it? Can you manage it? Can you manage it? Reggie McKenzie from the Green Bay Packers, was hired and signed a contract with the Oakland Raiders. And shortly thereafter, shit-canned Hugh Jackson and the entire staff. You heard me right. Uh, Michael Lombardi, we were talking about uh, Hugh Jackson's firing. You know, he, he, he had mentioned that the, the Raiders needed to clean house. Do you, do you think that's the case? Do they need to just start all over? Well, I think they need to start in a style and a manner that's conducive to the new guy they hired. I mean, it's tough to ask somebody to come in and do things the old-fashioned way. I think you got to give the guy the opportunity to do his job in the style and the manner that he feels most comfortable with. And I think it's really the only fair way, and the only way Reggie was going to be successful is he's got to have the ability to, to go through these changes and put the system in place he wants. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast, and I'm your host, Raider Greg. Well, a new coach, number 18, hits the Oakland Raiders. And man, I don't know. I was excited. Now I'm bummed. (laughs) There's a whole lot that's happened in the last 24. We're going to hit on that and more here on show 333. During the press conference when Reggie McKenzie introduced Dennis Allen, he was almost giddy. No, I will say he was giddy. He was like... uh, he was like the cat who ate the canary. He's pretty proud of himself. Uh, it seemed to me it gave me a, a, a actually a feeling of confidence that he felt so highly of Dennis Allen and the interview and, and all that he went through in order to get him. 
and sign him to a four-year contract. Incidentally, we haven't seen that in ages. Evidently, Reggie McKenzie has a lot of confidence in him and a lot of confidence in his ability to make this team right. I like the hire the way it came out right then. I also like the way Dennis Allen talked about uh, him being a head coach and separating himself from the defensive side of the ball and, and just concentrating on being the head coach, something that Hugh Jackson didn't do, obviously, uh, because the defense suffered greatly under Brainless Man. I liked the way the interview went down. I mean, I really do. The vision for the future of the Oakland Raiders is going to be a tough, smart, disciplined, committed football team. See, you don't win football games in the National Football League by talent alone. There's a lot of other things that go that are a part of that. And those are the things that we're going to develop, and those are the things that we're going to preach on a day-to-day basis to our players. Because we do have talented players. We have enough talent in our team to compete for a championship. And that's what our goal is going to be every year. We've got to play smart. We've got to play tough. We've got to play disciplined. And we've got to be committed to doing the things that it takes to win in the National Football League. And those are the things that we're going to do. The only way that you create habits is through consistency, doing the same things over and over and over. Well, if you're committing penalties, that becomes a habit. We've got to change those habits, all right? We've got to develop the proper habits so that we're not creating those penalties on a day-to-day basis. But it starts with how you operate in practice, okay? And, and we're going to operate in a manner in practice that, um, you know, we're going to preach discipline, and discipline is going to be a fundamental uh, factor in what we do every day. And if we preach fundamentals and we preach discipline day in, day out, and we're consistent with it as a coaching staff, the players are going to fall right in line. I really liked it that he didn't come up with some catchphrase like build a bully or any of that garbage or didn't rant on about how the greatness of the Raiders is blah, 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 blah. You didn't get any of the rah-rah that you got with coaches and previous regimes. I like it he stayed to point. He stayed on what he was going to do, the kind of football players he wanted, the kind of coaching staff that he was going to look for. And I I got great confidence out of this conversation with him in the media because it seemed like he's a no-nonsense disciplinarian guy that's going to take this team and have free reign, mind you, to do what he has to do to get the best players and shit cans the ones that are just hanging around for a paycheck. This I like. I like the fact that he's going to take care of business and he will have full power to do so. That's another thing I like. We're not going to have guys like Gibson and Sam Williams that hang around season after season after season with mediocre effort and mediocre results. I like that too. I like everything about this guy. I like his character. I like his fire. He looks like he has a lot of fire in his belly. And he looks like he's a no-nonsense guy. And the fact that the GM and him are on the same page gave me great comfort. And it makes me feel, it made me feel that we were going to be heading in a new direction, a direction of change for the better. Uh, Cut the fat, 
Let's get to the good players and move on and create a team atmosphere that is conducive to winning. I mean, I felt it. I know the Raider Nation is very upset about Hugh Jackson. A lot of guys are. I, we have to turn our, away from that. We have no choice but to turn away from the past because we got no choice. We must go forward with him and give him the benefit of the doubt. And this is what I was thinking. The whole time I'm thinking, you know, I've seen the blogs. The Raider Nation is up in arms, man. They're flipping out about this. They're flipping out about the hire. They're flipping out about um, him not having any experience and being too young. And We're talking with Sean Salisbury on Radio Row here in Indianapolis. Sean, the Dennis Allen hire, what did you think of that? You know what I think, Dennis, and, and none of us know anything about him as a head that's coach because right. we don't know. So for anybody that's on the side saying he's a guaranteed lock and a great, got a chance to be great, well, we've we got we to find out. And on the other side for the people who say, oh, why'd you hire him? He's not a big name. Well, you know what? Every, every one of those guys who's never had a chance to be a head coach at the NFL level, I mean, we, we were saying this about John Gruden at one time. Mm-hmm. We were saying this about Steve That's Mariucci right. at one time. So his resume is really good, and I, anybody that I've ever talked to does nothing but speak very highly of him. And I think a guy like that, you know what, and I don't mean to dog retreads, but at every now and then there comes a point in time when you've got to give a new guy a chance. Yeah. You got and, and he did one hell of a job in Denver, one hell of a job. And Reggie McKenzie did his due diligence. You know, because everybody thought it was going to be Winston Moss like that. It's yep. his buddy, and he went through it, and he didn't hire his buddy. He hired the guy he felt was best for the team. Well, here we have it. We have a GM. We have a new owner. We have a new coach. And they all seem to be on the same page. That, my friends, is refreshing. As hard as it is to wrap your hands around it or your head, it's the best thing for this team. It's the best thing for the organization consistency now is going to be the supreme rule in the Raiders. And it's been needed for many, many years. And we should take solace in the fact that it's finally happening. Change is hard, definitely difficult. And, well, we've seen too much of it, and we need to see consistency. And that's why everyone gets so flipped out when we do have change. Let's give the new head coach an opportunity to make some decisions. Let's see how he brings his staff together. And let's see how he plans to make this team a championship organization. And the players, uh, let's just see if they follow this young man. I think they will. I think that we have nothing but good things in store. And with that, I leave this story. And that is all I have to say about that. All right, well, it is what it is. We love doing this, as you know. And if you don't, you got to know. Let's move on to the bone line, shall we? 1-800-620-7181. You know, London's calling. That's right, London is calling the Raider Nation podcast. We're going to try to get up in there. We do need your help. Yes, I am not shy in asking. We need some money, honey. need some honey and some money to get across the pond. It ain't cheap. And Radio Nation Podcast wants to be there to record this epic event. Because trust me, there's going to be more silver and black 
in England than they have ever seen. <laughs> that is true, because we're coming. And the Raider Nation podcast would like to be there. And to donate to the cause, go to www.raidernationpodcast.com. Uh, check on that. Uh, there's a donation spot there. Uh, Randy's going to make it nice and big so everybody can see it. London Calling, that's the drive we're going to do. We've got to get there, man. And the only way you're going to get there is with your help. I would love to represent the Raider Nation and get some film over there. Randy and I be doing all the potes and checking out as we silver and black out. London, England, it should be epic. So check it out. If you got some change, throw it in there. We need your help, folks, to get across the pond. All right, who's our first caller? And our first caller is Raider John from Minneapolis, freezing-ass cold Minnesota. What is up? Hey, Raider Greg, this is Raider John from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yes, it is cold here. Monday is supposed to be a high of minus 12. Negative 12 is going to be our high on Monday. But guess what? I won't be here. I'm going to be in the Caribbean on a cruise ship. <laughs> yes, indeed. Going to go on a cruise ship to the Caribbean and be gone for a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to next year's game in London. My wife and I are making plans to fly out there to the London game September 28th. And I want to know, is there a certain place that most Raider fans are going to be sitting in the stadium? Is there a place that Raider fans will get together and meet before and after the game? It would be great if you could give us, us Raider fans, other Raider fans, place to uh, where we're going to meet and get together. That would be fantastic. Boys, love your podcast. Last game we had against the Broncos, I was so disgusted. I was just, I felt like, I felt so bad. I wanted to sell all my Raider gear, but that will never happen. I felt like it, though. <laughs> Anyways, love your show. Love the team. Raider life forever. Raider forever is for me. That, that's me. I'm a Raider fan forever. Um, keep keep the podcast coming, my brother, and hopefully you'll give us some information on this upcoming game in London because I'm going. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm out. While we try to stay ahead of the wave on this London excursion of the Raider Nation, so far what we've got is the UKBlackHole.com. Check that out. I believe they're trying to get a bunch of tickets at the Black Hole uh, for the Raider Nation <laughs> at Wembley. So get on there. Sign yourself up. Call your chick ticket rep as well because I've done that as well. Uh, stay close to this one, folks, because once tickets go on sale, I don't know if you're going to get an opportunity to buy one unless it's in the aftermarket. Whatever way you get one, you must put your ass in the seat for Wembley. A uh, nice trip, though, to Jamaica, bro. That's <laughs> That sounds pretty good, my man. Have a good time. Don't get a sunburn. And our next caller is Raider Zen. Please give us some Zen, Zen Master. <laughs> we need it. This is Raider Zen. That's X-E-N. Uh, first of all, from Austin, Texas. I just wanted to tell you guys thanks. Uh, this podcast is literally amazing. I, uh, this is actually my first year, or actually my first season, listening to the podcast. I, um, you know, as being a child of Al Davis, I always knew when the draft was coming, you know, whoever did the best 40 time was pretty much who we were drafting. And so, you know, after uh, Al passed, you know, rest his soul, you know, it was a new change in order. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, 
what was going on with my team. And being in Austin, you know, you, you don't really get to hear too much good good news about it. Um, but before I um, before I start my rant, I wanted to say I am so excited you guys do this podcast year round. That's amazing. Um, my my bonus check should be coming sometime early early in the next few weeks. So hopefully I can you know break a little bread with you guys to to, to show my appreciation. But um, let me just jump right into my rant real quick. Um, so as I was saying before, my first year listening, but if I have to hear one more person call and talk about KC, I am going to lose it. Everyone, it seems, who calls the line keeps saying how K- all KC did was, you know, get a coach, get a, get a quarterback, and now they're amazing. That is completely factually incorrect. They already had six Pro Bowls. This year they have eight. I mean, it's not, it wasn't as simple as just getting two, two key positions. And I understand everyone was slurping up the idea of firing Reggie McKenzie, Dennis Allen, getting, getting done with them both. But, I mean, let's, let's, let's be realistic here. This is not Madden. You have to take time to build a franchise. And then if you think about it two years ago, who wanted this job? Who was lining up to be the Oakland's next coach? I would imagine it was a very short line of zero. Great coaches can see greatness. And most people who looked at Oakland weren't looking at greatness. They were looking at a lot of work. And, you know, new, new coaches have that naivete, as they say, to take on the shitstorm that was the, the Raiders. And, I mean, and the first thing they tried to do was change their culture. And that's the main reason why a lot of the different draft picks we got weren't these big headliners. There were folks who wanted to play football, and that's what we needed. You know, we were changing the, changing the culture, changing the mantra from Al Davis upon his mountain calling in saying who was the, who was the next pick. You know, I mean, I read an article in Sports Illustrated that, that the Raiders didn't even have a draft room. A draft room. I mean, the team's been around for like decades. They didn't even have a draft room because of their latest thoughts and started with Al Davis. Now, if you think about the different draft picks we've had in the future, I mean, if you go back the past 10 years, not a single one. Actually, after Darren McFadden, you know, and, and I mean, pretty much he's already done with the season, but after Darren McFadden, we don't have a single draft pick, a number one draft pick for the past 10 years. If you go back 11, Namdi Asamoah, and he's retired. So what my overall point here is consistency is critical. If you think about the past 20 years of Super Bowl winners, seven, seven franchises, that was correct. Let me make sure you heard that. Seven franchises have won the past 20, okay? Giants, Dallas, Green Bay, Denver, Baltimore, New England, Pittsburgh, all have won multiple. And if you think about those different franchises, those are all – basically the same coach, basically the same ownership, basically the same GMs, you know. They're, they are letting their system play itself out, you know. And I think, you know, ever, ever since January 19, 2002, that infamous Tuck Rule game, the Raiders have been on a nosedive, and we all know that. I, I, don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't need to dig up all of that, that mess. But overall, I just wanted to say that we have to give the system a chance, you know. You've got to have that consistency. You know, if you, if you look at what Houston just did, Houston had some Pro Bowls. They just hired Bill O'Brien as a new coach. And, I, you know, and start on your calendars, Raider Nation, because we're, we're playing the, the Texans, you know, and I think that's going to be a key game because they're going to start in fresh. But they will, again, have some consistency with their, with their staff, okay? Now, if you think about our draft coming up, I'm very excited, as everyone else is, because all we can look forward to is the offseason. But we have a top five pick, okay? Everyone's saying we need, a, we need a quarterback. I agree. But think about it. We're, we're picking five. All the teams ahead of us, except for St. Louis, they all need quarterbacks too. So we could be in the same position where, you know, the, the USC quarterback Broles is gone. The Louisville's quarterback Bridgewater is gone. Texas A&M's quarterback Manziel is gone. I mean, and then now what? What would you want to do, Raider Nation? 
do we want to pick some unknown, unproven quarterback, or do we draft the best available? You know, everyone's talking on this mess about how it's so easy to pick, you know, these, these picks. And I agree with, you know, you had a caller talking about we need to focus on a scouting department. Completely agree. That is really my number one. And my number one bone with the regularization is that we need to spend more time scouting. But, you know, so so so, so that's that's really it. But I love what you guys are doing. Love love the podcast. Thank you guys. And I feel like I need to trade in my cross my crossbow or my crossbone and skull. I didn't realize you guys have been playing this for eight years. My God. I feel I feel so good for missing so many so many of the great years of being on the podcast or being able to hear the podcast. But um but yeah, so I'm looking forward to this you know, once my bonus check comes in, I'm sending you guys a little love. Um thank you, Raider Greg, you know Raider Nation for all you're doing. This is uh, Raider Zen and you know, live winner tie, Raider fan till I die. Raider Zen out. Well, hell, that was Zenish. That was very Zen-like, brother. Nice take. You know, good take to to bring into the off season. Thank you for the props, by the way. You know, we we need to have this positive outlook. I understand that we don't want to reach for a quarterback. We better draft one, even if it's in the later rounds. We need to draft some guy that could possibly be that guy. Now, in the top rounds, if we take a top five pick and it's not a top five quarterback, well, hell no. We need offensive line, defensive line. We have a a running back. We got a lot of needs. If there's a good player there, let's take him. Let's not take a guy that's had his chest crack open, however, or is injury prone or whatever. We need to pick a guy that's going to impact this team. Matter of fact, we need three in this draft. Three. I don't care what the position is. As long as it's a position of need and somebody that can come in and play some damn football this coming season. That's what they're going to need. That's what the system's going to need in order to prevail. We're going to have to see some positives, and that is wins in my book. Thanks for the zen, my brother. Great call. And next, my good brother, Raider Lou from El Centro, California, man. What's up? What up, Raider Greg? Raider Randy? This is Raider Lou from El Centro, California. And uh, I'm calling because we all know that we need a quarterback, right? Your last podcast, I mean... That's what we kept on harping on was we need that quarterback to build around. Not some free agent bum who's going to be here for three, four fucking years and split or, you know, fucking basically circle down the fucking toilet bowl um, and just cash in whatever chips he has left to fucking play in the NFL. No, man, fuck that. We need to draft ourselves a stud like Andrew Luck or fucking RG3, even though that fool hasn't had any luck this year. Um, But anyways, so I'm thinking how desperate do the Raiders really want to get their fucking quarterback, you know? Let's just say they, they have a chance at, you know, getting that second pick or that first fucking pick, you know, Bridgewater or fucking Manziel. You know, I'm thinking... What the fuck will we have to give up, man? Two firsts, you know? Like our first rounder and then our first rounder next year? You know? Um, damn. 
that's fucking interesting, you know, when you think about it. Um, I think I would do the first rounder and the first round next year, but protect the next year's pick. Like, if it's in the top ten, you could either choose to give it to them or defer it to the next year, you know? I don't know, man. That's, that's just what I called in because fucking I'm, I'm really, really want fucking one of those two guys because they seem like they're the real fucking deal, you know what I mean? But, I mean, what do you think, Raider Greg? You know, would you, would you give up fucking two first-round picks? You know, because we are the Raiders, man. I mean, are we are we going to be that good next year? Like, good enough? I mean, we might be 8-8. Eight and eight, But, I mean, I don't know, man. Just fucking called in to rap about that and uh, hope hope to get some fucking some of that fucking awesome wisdom you always give every week, man. I love it. So, uh, Raider Greg, Raider Randy, Raider Nation. Um, this is Raider Loon, and I'm out. Well, I don't think we should reach for a quarterback in this draft. I don't think our team's ready right now for that kind of a reach. I don't think we have everything we need. We don't have a star running back. We don't have all the things we need. If there's if there's one there, if there's a guy there that Reggie, hey, man, it's his job. Pick that guy. If he's a quarterback at number five and he's the guy, we'll pick him and let's move on. If there's a defensive end there, pick him. If there's an offensive lineman, Pick him. If there's a running back, pick him. Hey, if there's a free safety or defensive, if there's a great player there that will just put his name in the Pro Bowl his first season, well, pick his ass. We need a franchise quarterback, there's no doubt, and I don't care if we go get Matt Schaub and make him a Super Bowl quarterback as long as we get a guy that we can build uh, that could be a great quarterback for us. We need a great guy. I do believe I would rather pick a quarterback and groom him ourselves as a first in the organization. But, you know, I just think uh, it's so important, this draft. This is everybody's job, and they should look at it that way. That's for sure. Thanks for the love and the call, brother. And our next caller from Oaktown. That's right. That's Autumn Wynn Williams to you. What's going on, man? Going on, Raider Greg and Raider Randy. This is Autumn Wynn Williams from Oakland, California. Just got the news at the end of the day. DA is here to stay. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm still 50-50 about the situation. I was listening to you and Money Man has spoken Raider. On the uh, last podcast, both of y'all brought out good points. Uh, like money, man, you know, I would want to be a divorcee. And, you know, based on his analogy with the Dennis Allen situation. But at the same time, every relationship goes through reconciliation. So I'm hoping that's what we're facing on the uh, 2014 season. Because uh, the past two years, man, uh, it was a complete hot mess. So uh, D.A. better step his game up. Hopefully that's going to be his uh, New Year's resolution to be the so-called defensive-minded type of coach that uh, we were told that he was when he first got brought in. But anyway, man, um, as far as assistant coaches, I don't know what to think about that. Uh, I'm just hoping if some are leaving, we're getting some that's coming in that's uh, going to get that team in full force. Uh, Other than that, man, I'm out. 
That's right. At the end of the day, we'll be staying for another day or two. <laughs> and you know what? We got to stay behind them. Just like the draft pick you don't like, just like the trade you don't like, you got to turn around and say, well, he's a Raider. What is he going to do for us now? And, you know, I just think uh, our assistants, there's a couple guys might be on the chopping block. I don't know. Someone's got to go. Maybe not. Uh, the the mainstream here of the defense and the offense, the guys that understand the scheme, uh, that can teach it to the new players and continue to mold these existing players, I mean, this is what consistency is about, man. We might lose the one or two, but uh, we got to keep some consistency if that's what we're going to do this season. That's all. And so I'm looking forward to the draft, and I'm looking forward to some good signings. I hope we don't lose any good players off this team this year. That's what my biggest concern is, that we're going to lose some good talent to other teams um, because we're not pulling the trigger fast enough. Thanks for the call, brother. And now with the glowing news that Dennis Allen is staying, a man that I knew would have to come in and let us know what he feels like, my good brother and friend, Money Man, has spoken Raider. Yeah, this is Money Man has spoken. Raider. Well, I see that Dennis Allen survived the cut this time around. You already know how I feel about that, there. I was really hoping they can his ass, but Mark went with the recommendation of Reggie, and D.A. gets to keep his job. Okay. Now, I'm not going to be hating. No, that's not me. I'm not going to be hating, hoping he lose so he can get a job took from him and get fired because I am a Raider fan first and foremost. But I am sure that during the meeting that they had, I'm, quite sure, I'm positive that Mark Davis went over a few things with Dennis Allen and let him know that you do have your quarterback of the future in the building, so you can get that bullshit out your head, and that we're going to cater the offense around Terrell Price talents as opposed to trying to force your offense on to him. So we're going to go in that direction and build this team around him as well. Yeah, the Raiders got a lot of money, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's gonna, to me, it's going to be hard to build a team going on the money. Reggie don't like to spend money for one thing, you know, coming from Green Bay. And also, a player, very few players just going to come for the money unless they just out for the money. Know what I'm saying? So, don't be trying to overspend if you can't get them in, which I do doubt they're going to be able to do that because not too many players going to want to come to a team that's been 4-12 and 12 the last two seasons. And then the quarter, the head coach's job is in limbo if they like this guy now. If 
they believe that Gruden's going to be here next season. Then, of course, they may come because of that. But we'll see. But, you know, there's really not too many interesting things to discuss at this time, but I feel I just had to call in because, you know, voice my displeasure on Dennis Allen still being here. I'm, I know I, you know I try to be too, you know, not too hard on the guy, but, you know, I did kind of despise what he did with Terrell Priority last two seasons, but we'll see if that's going to change in 2014. We need some wins. We got a brutal schedule, brutal as hell. So, Denzel Allen really needs to be playing the guy that, you know, gives him the best chance to win. I thought he did say Terrell Pryor did give him the best chance to win the last game of the year. And if he really believes that after having a guy on the bench for two months, then he needs to be trying to start him and see what he can do as far as saving his job in 2014. So we'll see all that, see what's going on with it. And, hey, just win, baby. And saying that, Red Greg, I'm out. Well, that's a great way to put it, man. And you're a, you're a big man for having that uh, wisdom to see that we're stuck with this guy. We, we, we got no choice. We can't change the, the things that are. I don't know if Pryor's going to be here. I don't, I don't know if this last bunch of cackling between his agent and all that drama. I don't know if that's going to cause anything to happen. It could. Terrell might be gone. Um, but we shall see, man, because the free agent signing should be going on. It uh, should have been going on already. Uh, contracts should be talked about every day until they're signed. Uh, we got to get this team and solidify what we found. And if Pryor's here, great. If he's not here, well, you know what? <laughs> we got to move on. And you know, just like we all are, uh, Raider Nation got to survive. I hope that we get a great pick in the draft. I don't know. Um, my hope is any three players that we pick up this draft must impact the team. I don't care where they are. Uh, we can make it without a quarterback this year if there's not one there for us. So we shall see, brother. Don't stop calling. I love the wisdom, man. And our next caller, Raider Grant, up in the Northwest where the Seacock fan is just frothing at the mouth. The bandwagon is full. Please don't try to get on. Uh, unbelievable, man, in hostile territory. What's up? Hey, Raider Greg. Raider Andy, Raider Nation, this is Raider Grant up here in the Great Northwest. Uh, just calling in to vent a little bit. Uh, looks like we're going to go ahead and stay the course with uh, Dennis Allen. And I've had stated multiple times what I think about Dennis Allen. I just want to say for all those people out there that go, oh, we've got to give them the chance. There's $60 million in cap space, and we got a full lot of draft picks. Well, guess what? We've gone through two drafts and not a, any type of potential star. Not one. So we had two busted drafts under Reggie McKinney and Dennis Allen. So they're going to get to basically have a, another draft, and hopefully this time they can fucking draft somebody worth a shit. But they've had two failed drafts. They constantly blame everything on an untalented team. So what kind of continuity 
is there going to be for a guy who blames his players and calls them untalented players is the reason why they have a losing season. First of all, we're going to have to build through the draft and the draft only because, one, free agent market is going to bring us nothing but guys on their last leg. Why? Because real free agents, the ones that we want as fans on our team, are going to be pursued by competitive teams with proven winning coaches. So fuck the $60 million in cap space that we have because unless we go out and spend it all on one fucking guy, that we're never going to get free agents here until we get a proven coach that comes in, takes a team that he has, and goes with it and proves that he can win. And that's the bottom line. You're going to pay out the ass for anybody with a high name and talent to come in here through the, through the free, free agent market just to be coached by a proven losing coach and a proven losing franchise. And that's the bottom line. So therefore, we have to throw all our chips in on keeping the players that we have. So that's where we're going to – the talentless players that we have, Kurt Dennis Allen, the talent's just not on the team. So we're going to have to spend our cap space on holding any kind of talent that we have and spend that cap space on trying to fill spots on the roster for all the guys we didn't keep. And good luck getting maybe one good free agent. Maybe that one crazy guy that says, ah, give Oakland a shot, you know. But other than that, we're going to be getting a bunch of nobodies again, just like we did last year, and we'll have to build through the draft. So everything is going to depend on this year's draft. Well, what did we see with Matthew McKenzie last year? <laughs> wow. Yeah, we got a couple extra draft picks and squandered them away. We have a QB controversy. Why do we have a QB controversy? Oh, it's the new regime. And guess what? Once again, instead of instilling some uh, insurance that we're going to be behind one of our QBs, uh, we don't have that, that, that franchise QB yet. So we're just going to sit around here as fans and just expect that one day out of the blue, we're going to be a good franchise and a winning franchise again. The shit's not going to happen until you get all the right pieces. And just keeping a coach for the sake of continuity and the sake that we're doing something different than Al Davis has done is bullshit. Because you know what? Doing something wrong just to say that we're doing something different is bullshit. At the end of the fucking day, you have to win football games. And I'm tired of hearing all those fans, oh, who cares? You're bashing your team. Bullshit. I love my team. I just don't approve with the bullshit shit that they keep on doing. Stupid, idiotic moves, man. This is today's NFL. And granted, yes, if we allot Reggie McKenzie and Dennis Allen 10 years to rebuild, they're eventually going to have their team. And guess what? They're still going to suck ass. We need to do something and do something now. Unfortunately, Princess Davis has decided to go ahead and roll the dice with Dennis Allen. And for everybody out there that approves of that, you are just wrong. $60 million in cap space ain't going to do nothing when you have to go out and continuously plug in deadbeat guys that signed a one-year contract on their last leg just in hopes that you get a good draft so that you can continue to build the next year. And guess what, guys? That's where we're at. I was really optimistic that 2014 was going to be something better, but that just got fucking set right out the door with the rehiring of Dennis Allen. He is not a play caller, and he is not a QB coach. So tell me how he's going to lead a young, talented team, or a young team. I don't even know if we can be talented. 
how is he going to, a head coach going to lead a young offense and team and a new QB to greater things if the guy has no fucking idea? He's supposed to be a defensive guru. I, all that I've seen is Tarver, you know. I'm sure they're going to tell him participates. But what? Our defense, what? Fucking sucks. And you can blame it on the talent all you want, but guess what? This next coming year, even with $60 million in cap space, we are still going to suck if we're running the same schemes and the same bullshit and bringing in dead guys that are going to play for a year because they're on their last leg, and we have to continuously plug holes because we got rid of everybody else. It's going to be a revolving door, people, a revolving door that just keeps kicking us in our goddamn ass. But we should accept that for the continuity of the team and keeping a head coach and giving him a fair shot. Well, if that guy was Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, uh, Fisher, any, anybody, Wisniewski, with, with, with anybody, yeah, maybe that we'd give him extra time to get everything together, but we go 4-12, and 4-12, and just give nothing but excuses. Dude, your time's done. But let's go, Raiders. We got uh, 2014, 2015, 2016 ahead of us a sucking ass, regardless of how much cap space Reggie McKenzie cleared off the books. And people who don't see that just don't know the ins and outs of, of football. What free agent? Ask yourself, what free agent wants to come to Oakland knowing that we've had a proven losing head coach Things are a mess. You're going to have to spend that whole $60 million on one person, and then what do you got? A team full of nothing. It just gets worse and worse, man. One day, guys, one day. Please, just one day. You know, Forrest Gump says life's like a box of chocolates. Well, I say fuck Forrest Gump, dude. Flip the fucking box over and look at what you're going to get. That's a vice straight to fucking... Princess Davis, you piece of shit. Granted, Raider Grant is pissed because we kept Allen. A lot of people are. A lot of people really pissed. Uh, for continuity's sake, I th- I think it's more than that. I think he's a good coach, honestly. I think he's learned how to be a coach, and I think this will be his best season. It has to be, and I think it will be. As far as free agents coming here, Dude, we don't want those guys, those $60 million guys. I don't want to see those guys come here. Like you said, big names coming here for just a paycheck. It's not going to be that way. Reggie showed one thing for sure. I have confidence that he will find great players where no one else is looking. Because we got Jenkins. We got Burnett. We got a bunch of players um, that that are playing, you know, Pro Bowl calorie Football, caliber football, and and that's guys that Reggie has picked up on the free agent market, and I think we'll have great picks in free agency. I think we'll see guys that will come in here and get their chance to show off who they are and will be great players. I don't have any doubt about it. Yeah, the draft I'm worried about, Reggie's drafts have been kind of crappy, to be honest, but we got to give that – that's – Next season's draft, we got to just give it to him because that's who's making the pick. But I wouldn't worry about free agents. I'm excited about free agents, Raider Grant. You should be too. Reggie does pretty good at free agent picks, and I think this year will be no exception. And uh, I just think keep your eyes open, man. Things are going to be better than you think. Uh, I'm not that far down on the regime. I think, yes, we've had some issues. 
It's no excuse time. Let's see what happens. Uh, let's be some. Let's have some positives, man. I think you got to look at the positive, and I think there is positive to see. Thanks for the call, bro. And our next caller, my good brother, Raider Tony in Vallejo. What's going on, man? Raider Greg, Raider Nation. This is Raider Tony over in Vallejo, season ticket holder and multi-year listener. Raider Greg, another season of Great Raider Nation podcast. Just want to thank you again. Thank you for providing us with a source for Raider news, uh, Raider Nation camaraderie. It's always great to hear your analysis and then hear analysis of fellow, excuse me, Raider Nation. Um, Just my thoughts on the season, you know, I really wasn't too surprised. I was expecting a tough year. It was another deconstruction year. And, um, you know, we finally will have some salary cap room this upcoming year to spend money, $70 million. Um, I'm glad to hear that Allen is coming back. I know that's a controversial topic among us. But, you know, I just want to ask the Raider Nation, look, we the decision has been made, and regardless of what decision Mr. Davis had made, I would have supported it. You know, at the end of the day, he chose to bring him back. It seems fair. I know the argument against bringing him back. I know what everyone that wanted his head on a platter and fired one. You know, I understand everything they're saying. But let's see what he can do this third year with more talent. You know, I think that will make a big difference as we lock the talent the first year. In the second year, yeah, he bullshitted at the start of the season talking about how much he loved the roster, but what the fuck is he supposed to say at the start of the year? What, did you guys want him to say that we had a shitty roster? Is that what he's supposed to tell his players at the start of the season? So, of course, he was going to be positive. I mean, so we'll see how he does this next season. Obviously, he'll probably get the can if – if we don't have a dramatic, you know, drastic improvement and, and he should. So, you know, let's see what happens this next season. Um, look, we got to stand behind him at the least for this season and this off season, uh, like him or not, he's our head coach. And uh, hopefully we can keep Tarver, you know, uh, my thoughts on the draft Raider, Greg, I'm really hoping that, uh, I don't know what you guys think, but I really would like to see Manziel in a Raider uniform. Johnny Manziel, just his vintage Raiders. You know, you look at what he's done in college, making plays out of nowhere. Uh, He can throw the deep ball. He can throw the mid-range ball. And he can throw short passes. He can throw the full gamut of passes that we would need. He's accurate. And he's mobile. So in a lot of ways, he has better accuracy than McGloin. He's as mobile as prior. Uh... Probably, you know, obviously not as fast, but still mobile. And he had some long runs in college. And he just wins. I mean, what else could you want? That is what we need at quarterback. That is vintage Raiders. That is Raider football. Just win. And Johnny Menzel just wins. Whether you like his height, whether you don't, whether you like him, yeah, he was a party animal in college, but you know he he just wins. You know that guy. I, I saw him play so many games just because I he was one of my favorite college players, and um, 
you know, the, the plays that he would pull out his ass. I mean, just that is Raider football, you know. And um, so, you know, really between him and Clowney, I don't know if Clowney will still be there by the time we get that chance to, you know, to draft it, uh, the fifth position. But, um, but you know, Manziel would be awesome. So just my thoughts, uh, you know, can't wait to hear what everyone else says. Uh, you know, looking forward to the off-season podcast, Raider Greg. So uh, thanks for the show again, and uh, can't wait to hear the next one. Go Raiders. Well, thank you for the props, man. And you know that we just put it out all year long and try to get that news to everybody because um, it's always coming out, especially this NFL. Uh, these days, the NFL just doesn't stop. There's always something going on, very little downtime. So and there's a lot of news to be heard. Well, Manziel, if he's there, great. Let's pick him. Let's move on with it. If he's not there, well, we have to pick the next best guy, not you know, I don't think the last two draft picks have been good. So let's just see this 2014 pick, uh, what it is. Let's pick up three quality guys. I'm going to preach this till I drop. Three players that can impact this year. We'll see an improvement in wins. I don't care what the position. Three impact players. That's what we need. A lot to ask for sure out of a draft. Not impossible. Let's do it, Mr. Reggie. I know talent guy, because that's who's going to have to make these picks. He better sharpen his pencil better than the last two seasons, because so far, not so good. Re-HC looks better. Well, we're off now. The playoffs are going on. There's coaching carousels continuing to turn. Uh, different teams, different things. we got a brutal schedule next year. Brutal. Let's just see what happens. Uh, we got a lot to look forward to. Because, man, we got to go up from here. Hell, look at our division. I am Raider Greg, and thank you for listening to the Raider Nation podcast. I am out.